one's paying you to think about it. Just do it, son. Well, you know something? I'm bucking the system right here. Pod's over. Fez was yawning so much we sent him on his way. You ever notice Fez is like crunching out and his shoulders are starting to slump a little bit? Like, couldn't you see him with like a cardigan before too long? You can see him becoming elderly before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He just benched 200 pounds not that long ago, like eight times. It's like one of those AI aging devices you put on. <laughs> but, you know, if here's the thing. I got to be honest. If there was two scenarios, one was Fez is out like surfing. He's climbing rocks. He's got doubts. And he's spending less time handicapping. I'd be hoping, I hope he falls and maybe gets <laughs> paralyzed and he has to stay. In, you know, I'm like, I wouldn't. I Temporarily paralyzed. Just doing football season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every year. And from the waist down, not like full body. Be hard for him to type things up. That's true, yeah. Uh-huh. But again, listen, not that really, but I was saying that for a fact. Of course. But a broken back maybe, but just not with it any long term. And then we just, every year, it'd be, wouldn't it be, it'd be almost like, It'd be like um, a real demented Groundhog's Day, but every time on the same like reef he falls and breaks his back. But he, if somehow he forgets that's how he. You'd think like in the third year he wouldn't go. I think maybe like he goes to get his checkup at the doctor and they accidentally puncture his lung like the Chargers did. Oh, and, and then, but we're paying the doctor. Yeah, yeah. We're like, uh, you say, I got a great deal at this doctor for you to go get your checkups. And then every year. In he, fact, we'll pay for it. Yeah, he punctures the lung. Now, Mackenzie, if you think about this, you'll know that you've arrived when I'm thinking, how can we maim Mackenzie to keep him handicapping instead of going out and having fun? One day. Yeah, I mean, you can aspire to that, right? No doubt. <laughs> That's what's great about me is I don't go out and have fun, so ours is just well, no, well, worry about me. Well, yours is all you got to do is like take three steps at faster than a walk and you blow a knee. That's true. <laughs> Was that the first time you had you came to Vegas and again you had a you had one professional MMA fight that you were one and zero on and you've had some amateurs so you were right in the point of you could have had like a you know probably a lower level professional career but you went another but you hurt yourself right yeah. and then that's been what like fifteen years no I, I, my last pro fight I was thirty eight. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it was a couple weeks. Wait a minute. You only had one pro fight. Well, yeah, my, I had my last fight at 38. And that was the pro fight? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. So it was like, and you moved here when you were, four, it was like two or three years I before? I moved here when I was 41. I did not. I thought it was like in your mid-20s. No. I didn't even start fighting until I was 30. Wow. Okay. That just was like, hmm. I don't even know what it doesn't. I mean, I guess it's even gutsier that you were doing that. But so you blew out your knee in that last professional fight. Or no. Like, oh, it was a couple before. Yeah. And then you came back. Yeah. Won a professional fight, said, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not out. good enough for this. Okay. Yeah. And then when you came to now from that time until you did the Vegas thing, how much did you do? Did you do any? Oh, yeah. I trained all the time. You trained all the time. But when you got here, there was like six months you didn't train. Yes. Because you didn't have the dojo or whatever. Right. And then you said, all right, it's been six months. I'm going. And literally, you stepped onto the mat. It was oh, my, my third day. It, was, it wasn't your first day. No, it wasn't my first day. It was my third day. But was it the first like real live sparring? Yeah. So the first time you live spar, you blow out your knee. Yeah. First time I live sparred, I said, I'll go with a black belt. Dumb. But, oh, so okay. Now, did, did he didn't try to hurt you? Did no. He? Okay. He probably felt bad for it. Now, do you? Did they ask you like what's your belt? Yeah. And, I mean, you you show up and you're wearing you're wearing a belt with your uniform. But did so. they say who gave it to you? Yeah. Because right? they wanted to make sure that there wasn't like liability yeah. or something. 
<laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if someone shows up, like it'd be a basketball court, but they're like bricking layups and they're like, oh no, yeah, I'm a second degree black. It'd be like, oh, okay. Um, so what were you belt wise? A purple belt. Which is one below? Three stripe purple belt, which is uh, almost a brown belt. And then there's black belt. Okay. So how many levels? I mean, I, I can understand the increments. White, blue, purple, brown, black. But what I'm saying is, what's the, like, give me an analogy in golf between a third grade purple belt and the lowest level black belt. Like, if we were saying handicaps of golf, like a, you know, scratch golfer. Uh, that's probably. Is the purple like a, like a 10 handicap? Yeah, that's probably about right. So there was, I mean, so between a 10 and scratch is, you know, 10 strokes. It's, it, so you're saying you were professionally, you fought the one professional fight. Now, was it that you weren't focused on d- yeah, developing I wasn't, your I belt? wasn't focused on pure jujitsu. Yeah. Because okay. I was doing a lot of nogi grappling and you don't belt up in nogi. So okay. I, I competed. Is at, that when they grab your head and rub it? Yeah. N- nogis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I competed at advanced level in nogi, uh-huh. but it, so would that have been a black that's belt? That's what black belts are. Competing. Okay, all right, that makes sense. That's cool. Okay, did you make sure to add that on when you were telling them, like, no. hey, I had a professional? No, I, I, I always sandbag it. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm purple belt, yeah, and then you, oh. you're usually, better but but usually, if you're sandbagging, you're not asking for a black belt. I, I'm, I wasn't asking for a black belt. Uh, I, no, no, meaning against you. Didn't you say, give me a black oh, belt? Oh, yeah, yeah, one? yeah. Well, we were just picking out training partners. I said, no, I'll go with this guy. He's but you saw he had a black belt. Yeah. <laughs> I Listen, it's funny, but I think it's gutsy. I mean, like, to me, I'm. it's funny. I'm a gambler at, at my core, but I don't like unnecessary risk. So I'd be always like, well, let me get a feel how I'm doing. I haven't worked out for six months. But in a way, that holds me back. Like, some people are just, like, in poker, I never wanted to go up a limit unless I felt really good about it. And it probably held me back. I mean, not that it matters all that much, but, you know. All right. That was unexpected. But, you know, I just let the conversations take us. But here's one. The reason that I started with not pay to think is the powers to be said, we got a deal so good that we don't need to do any added bonus. An added bonus for the podcast listeners would be superfluous, unnecessary. Maybe overkill. That's the 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 order, and I'm going to put that in quotes. I was given. Mackenzie, is that correct? Yes. I mean, they it was left out, or or they they chose to leave out any omitted, omitted from my audience that I always want to give the best deal to because they're my audience. They thought it was surplus to demands. Yes. Well, you know what? I am paid to think. So here's the deal originally, and then I'm giving you a bonus, and I'm making this decision. Even if i got to figure out how to log into the back end, even though I developed it, and put it in myself. And I even developed the coupon system, but it will take me hours to probably do that. But I'm thinking I can get it done otherwise. Now, here's the deal. This is the time of year people, they like the idea of saying, I don't want to commit to the whole rest of the year, but you know what? I'm not doing so well, or I've been on a cold streak, and it'd be nice to have a little extra help. So we're putting together one month package, which is always available. You can get a month, and typically that month goes for two fifty, like two forty nine. And they said we're knocking that baby down to one ninety five, and that's not a common thing. Okay, so now that they said that was enough. Now, in a way, I think they've got a point because you look at the guys who are hot, Fezic. Even yawning, Cardigan, whatever, 14 and two with one push in college football. 14 winners, two losers, one push. All right. 
and he's up like in the NFL since the since the start of this season, thirty four and twenty three. So that's pretty damn good yeah. too. Okay, AJ Hoffman. If you look at his NFL and his college last month, he's up four, over fourteen units. The Hitman, a prop specialist, up six units in the last month. So you look at these month slices. Some of our best guys have some good streaks going. Fez, obviously, and AJ at the top of that list. And if you just picked, if you just bought all those picks, you'd be up over four hundred bucks. So getting a one two fifty with the normal month, okay, that's a good deal. You get to one ninety five, it's a really good deal. And then I was told enough, RJ. That's it. No, no, no. 20 from RJ is the coupon code. So it's a two and a zero. Then no spaces from RJ. And make sure that, that uh, I'm going to have Mackenzie put this in the system. Mackenzie, make sure that it's capitalized and uncapitalized and do a third version where the from isn't, but the RJ is, because that's going to be instinctual for people. So let's go over that one more time. It's going to be 20 from RJ. And the capitalizations for McKenzie in the back end will be all caps ones. And obviously the two and zero, there's no caps. Or all lowercase. But then one special one with the from lowercase RJ not. And, you know, I think there's a chance that that means they could buy multiple packages with it. Because that's going to be, you know, I don't think it is. But I don't know. If someone does it, I'm going to say, you know what? You got me. You got I mean, it'll be like triple thanks, RJ. You know, whatever. But 20 from RJ, and that gets you down now to 175 for a month. And literally, that's every sport. And the thing they didn't even mention here, yeah, it's football all access. So it's college and pro. And here's the thing about football season. And, you know, college and pro is pretty aligned. There's the beginning of the season. And it's all about your ability to project how good this player is going to be. You don't have a lot of data, right? When a team plays their first game, you don't have a lot of data. When the Ohio State Buckeyes, even this late in the year, go to Penn State, you don't know their defense is going to step up like that unless you're a professional that's good. How are you feeling about your Michigan? I guess when you cheat. Yeah. I mean, are you worried about it? Like they're, they're sending scouts to games? Like it's blatantly illegal. I'm not a scout, I'm sorry. Blatantly illegal for an assistant coach to attend an opponent's upcoming opponent's game. Yeah. And they just said, I'm going. Yeah, they don't care. Screw you. Yeah. Would, would their title, if they somehow won a title, would it even matter? Yeah. So cheating, cheating just whatever. Yeah. Whatever the rule. What happens if they shot the opposing quarterback? And Harbaugh said, I didn't know anything about it. Big deal. Is this you trying to be funny? What happens if the kids get free tattoos? Well, apparently a lot <laughs> happens. A lot happens. It, it does seem like perhaps that isn't quite as egregious <laughs> as cheating. But you know what? Maybe that's what Michigan has to do. I mean, every, people tell us what they feel like is necessary. Yeah. But I got to be honest. Harbaugh seems like the type that would cheat even when it was unnecessary. I think, I think he would. He smells. That's all I'm going to say. And this smells fishy in Michigan. And who have they played this year? Who's been their toughest opponent? They haven't really had one. It's it's all it's almost November. Yeah. And so how do they get I, I mean, how is this acceptable? They're dominating everybody. Who, but who's the best team they played? <laughs> uh Minnesota. And are they top ten? No. Top twenty? No. 
tough. But they beat them 52 to 10 on the road. But I thought you're the one in the NFL that says, yeah, oh, who, li- who they beating? The NFL's different than college. No, but it's different in the exact opposite way you're making it. Every NFL team is good to some degree, and they can yes. win at any time. So it's opposite point. Minnesota in my power ratings is 59. Is that is that is that the page for Jeff Sagarin at USA Today? No. Okay. But Nebraska, I do have power rated slightly higher, which might be a mistake. Uh-huh. But they beat Nebraska too. And they're what fifty four? Fifty one. Okay. So number of top fifty wins? Zero. Zero. Zero point zero. Yeah, not impressive. But Harbaugh's cheating. At least at, he's got that going for at him. At Penn State in two weeks, we'll find out something. I guess. Uh, maybe. 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 Well, we'll find out something with the Buckeyes. Where's this game at? November 25th. In Michigan? At the Big House. Good. 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 And if Day loses, goodbye. Good day, Day. Good day, Day. Exactly. You don't lose to Michigan three straight times. What had been like 20 years? Yeah. Oh. He's going to be known as that guy who lost to Michigan a bunch. It'll be like like, uh, Cooper. (laughs) Cooper had some nice wins that didn't matter. Yep. Where's he at now? I know, price Home, on, Home so, Depot. Is he really? Because <laughs> no, he made a lot of money. Oh, this is back when you make jokes that just, <laughs> just throw back to the show we just did. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm going to turn AJ's mic. No, okay. So you guys got it. It's RJ, 20 from RJ. I, and like I said about football season, is we're in that middle part of the year where it's still not purely stats, but it's that combination. So you got a veteran guy like Fez, and even AJ, veteran, yes, is. It's like how much of the prior do I use? How much of the new stat? And it's it's a it's it's art and science, and and that's a special time. And it, it doesn't kind of seem surprising that Fez is getting on a hot streak, AJ, et cetera, the hitman. Look around for your favorite pro. And a lot of people say, you know what? I know like a Dave Esler or a Goodfellow wins, but he hasn't been super hot lately. He's due. And again, I'm not a do guy generally. But I think in the long run, do the do system works? Meaning, if you got a guy that has been very good for ten years, like Goodfella and Dave Esler, and they have a bad month, I don't think that bad month. And I, again, I don't even see the record. I don't have it right in front of me, so it might be fine. It might be the fourth. But what I'm saying is, different people think about this differently. But at the core, is what kind of history do you have with the guy? And you might notice we don't add many people. Now, if, listen, if the right opportunity came, I would add. 10 guys in a year, if they were all excellent. But we got 10-plus years with Faz, 10-plus years with Asler, 10-plus years with Goodfella, et cetera. You can trust that what they've done over a decade gives you a pretty good idea how good they yeah. are. And now we got AJ, you know, five years. So, I mean, this, you know, we do it differently, and I think the success pregame has – we can thank the way we do it differently for that, but we also can thank you, the listener, for when RJ takes care of you, you take care of him. And you know what? If you don't like a month, you don't want a month, you got the season, whatever. Well, if you got the season, just sit back and relax. But if you don't have that or the month, give us a review if you want on whatever your podcast platform is. But that does help. And if you do that, thank you also. And if you do nothing, well, one day, hopefully, you'll do something for us. Except take our finite resources and listen for, oh, wait, never mind. I guess they're not really finite, right? But we do pay for every listen, in a way. Yeah. Huh. So maybe I should be discouraging so much listening. (laughs) 
I'm confused. Anyway, you guys got the RJ20 from RJ coupon code. Pick it out. And remember, you can just go to the site, hit buy picks, and you can go to your pros page that you like. But the easiest way is going to be at, at the end when you're going to buy, go to discounted subscriptions, and they should all be stacked there. We got a second thing. I'm going to say this in about 20 seconds, but it's so good. So we gave you that bulk dollar deal a couple weeks ago, like 10 gets you 50, and it was a record response. Now this is the next level. This is a rare offer. It's better than normal, and that's what they tend to do. They, You know, these salespeople are smart. They put out the 10 to 50. It's like, that's how can I do that, right? And then it's like, boy, I like that. I like that. And then it's like, hmm, all right, now it's 99 gets you 150. That sounds all right. But wait a minute. RJ's saying 200 gets you 400. That's doubling my money. That's better than what I would be doing typically. And that's the point, right? We want to show you how good the bulk dollars are. And by the way, if you want to spend those bulk dollars, I'll give you a little trick. 200 gets you 400, all right? You take that 400 and spend 195 on the month. And then you got 200 left. That's smart. You following? Yeah. So, they again, they might be mad that I'm telling you about this. Well, they wouldn't be. Let's be honest. You wouldn't be working here if you were a hardcore salesman. But they do have their plans, their machinations. But I'm always going to be listener first. Until I retire. <laughs> then if there's like one last day. Wild West then. Yeah, then it's going to be like, there's a month. Yeah, that'd be funny, actually. There's a month, do what you want to the sales. And it'd be like, we're doing outbound calls. We're doing, you know, we got games of the year that are guaranteed and we give you 10 times your money back. Yeah. You can see the kind of control, keeping people under control. You don't, you can't really question that. Except for Fez and AJ and Mackenzie. I can't seem to control them at all. Here comes the rest. By the way, 200 gets you 400. You can also go to special discounts for that one. That's interesting. Special discounts. And discounted, well, I guess one's a subscription and one's not a subscription, but you can do both. You can. 200 gets you 400 or 20 from RJ's. The coupon code, no coupon code for that one. And you can see these guys running roughshod over me. Next, let's listen. We gate the aftermath. What a disaster, week seven. Not lucky in this book. In fact, it sent Scott Seidenberg. Where's he at? Australia? Something like that. No, where's he at? He's, he's at home. He's sick. So what was Australia? Why, why would it be something like that? It was not even close to that. It was not close. I assumed you knew he wasn't in Australia. So. No, I, I, I heard something about down under. I don't. Oh, wait, that was his bankroll. My, <laughs> but it wasn't like he was any worse than anyone else. Ugh. Ugh. And I was thinking, well... You know, I was going to announce, so so how'd you do last week? Two and three. That's not so bad. Did anyone go better than that? No. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I have an announcement, and it involves the Super Contest Gold, and I won't say it until, I'm going to say one hour from now, approximately. All right? It's going to be interesting. We'll make, let's just say this. AJ is going to feel very ambivalent. Very ambivalent. Fez. I don't even know what that means. Exactly. What do you think is going on, Fez? So what I was envisioning is that RJ is going to take one Saturday night where he's just going to go to a concert. He's going to go to the Sphere or <laughs> go with some of his like 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 hoity-toity billionaire buddies. Oh, jeez. Oh, 
And he's just going to hand it off for one week, Jim Plunkett style, and say, Fez, you're the backup quarterback. You pick us five winners. Yeah, he's and a I'll two-time, be... two-time Super Contest champ. And, I'll be, and I'll be back. But I'm but, old now. And then I'll be back next oh, week. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that, that's what I was thinking. See, I think you're – I'll be candid. I think you're handicapping better today than you ever have because the market has gotten a lot tougher. Like, if you could go back to 2010, with, especially with today's knowledge – Right, you'd be pretty damn unbeatable. I don't. I just think in general, everyone's gotten better. It's like I po- agree. Yeah, I mean, everyone that's moving markets, everyone that matters. It's, it's like po- you talk about this in poker. It's yeah, the exact yeah. analogy that if if you if, if, if poor poor Doyle Brunson had to go back, you know, and and Especially as a young since man, he's dead, it, with knowing <laughs> knowing what he knew in 1999, he'd be nothing special playing in today's tournaments. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I, there's something about the cash games that I think he'd still mm-hmm. do all right. But um, let me ask you, if you went if, – if Fezzik, all, you know, all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and smart-assy circa 2009, they're like he was more of a smart – Oh, two, God, yes. <laughs> in 2009 versus today. And let's, let's, let's concede the point maybe – between 45 and late 50s, oh dear. synaptically, there was I a little you're drop. in there. Yeah. But what I'm saying, what else could it be, right? Energy level. I don't even know. I don't even know. If, you know, actually, for high-level things, 55 to 65 is the best time. Because that's when you – think about, like, if you could pick your president – Let's say you That's lo- exactly what I thought of. Yeah. If you love Obama, let's say, you would think, what age would you want him? He was a little young probably when he started. Now, a guy like, even if you love Trump, you would say, would Trump have been better at 65? You know, and that's a debate because Trump's policies have changed. But in general, if I have a CEO of a company that's got all my money, I want that guy to be between 55 and 65 in good health because the theory is you got both the physical side hasn't really dropped off yet, but you got all the experience. Couldn't we say that's you for the next six or seven years? Yes. All right. And also, I and might we wouldn't add, be telling the truth necessarily. No, no. I want all the kids to been off, go off to college, so the kids aren't a distraction. So they're not going to baseball games. Or How many not, kids do you have? One. So why do well, you think the, well, 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 all the kids? Off well, the I would off the does top he, of my head. You have DID? Like I, you have to. I would say that I would say these CEOs. I want a forty-eight-year-old CEO, but the problem with the forty-eight-year-old CEO is got, he's got a fourteen-year-old daughter and a sixteen-year-old oh, son. Oh, you're, you're not talking about your kids, yeah. okay? I thought that it's weird because I thought you were saying, yeah, that sounds great. Just so Johnny gets off the college and have a good six, seven years. No, you're saying in the selection of an executive. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think most good executives ignore their kids. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's correlated, though I think it is. Well, it is correlated because they don't become high-level executives unless they, they ignore, they ignore their, kids. their kids. Yes, or, Yeah, I mean, what do they say? that The instances of uh, sociopaths are the highest on death row and the C-suite. Mm. <laughs> and, and I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So do you think you're Fezzik back then versus now – do you think you were a clearly better capper then now or about the same or what? Oh, I'm better. Like if I could go back in my time machine mm-hmm. and, and bring me back all the way to like like 2000, I, I would destroy like like a lot of books with what I know now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just destroy them. But, but even let's say 2000, I mean, you won the Super Contest in 2008 and 2009. So let's say that era. Yeah. So you think there was a lot of growth between 2000 and 2008 and nine? Yeah, I think okay. that had a big part to do with me, you know, 
doing so well suddenly in the contest. Yes. Was, At the end, of, I moved to Vegas in 2001, so there's a growth yeah. period. I'm talking about the growth of the of the marketplace. Would you say the market got a lot tougher between 2000 and 2010? Yeah, 2006, PASPA changed everything. The, the okay. market changed a bunch in just that 18 months. Mm-hmm. By the way, for those that aren't watching the video feed that doesn't exist, um, AJ's been working on a list of games in the order I mean, he was licking his lips. He was licking a pencil at one point. He was hunched over. Like, you ever see, you know, those are the guys that don't usually write. Like, to see them have a writing instrument is funny. You know, there's certain people you'd think, like, he doesn't use a pencil. I don't. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was like he, he, he didn't know how to use the pencil. <laughs> All right. You didn't, how'd you do in penmanship? Not great, obviously. <laughs> First game, Tennessee State versus <laughs> Athens, Georgia. Oh, no. Okay. Um, but the real question wasn't why I had a bad week in the Super Contest. The question was, the, in general, like you've been under 500 on the pod for t- like a year and a half. But you've been winning like crazy on your late, you know, your premium stuff. Is it just what? I mean, we were talking a little about line moves and when they happen. What, what do you think's going on? I am. It it seems to me that the best information is the later information, like on that I'm getting on Friday and Saturday and even day of the game Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I'm being a lot more cautious. I'm not releasing as much stuff, and it, and it sure seems like the stuff I'm giving out very late is has been doing the best, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense because. Like if the market is, if we accept what we thought was the case with the efficient market, is still the case. Meaning maybe some of these late, maybe game day moves. Maybe in hindsight, we're going to say during this era, the sharpest line was Saturday night at midnight. Now that I believe, and I, and I always use the example that let's let's say a game is lined at uh, two point six five. Okay, All right, so that means it's two and a half. In, in more spots than it's three, or it's going to be three with a different VIG, but in general, it's we're almost in between, but more towards two and a half. Yes, and just to, 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 to make it simpler, let's just assume there are no threes. Okay, there's a bunch of two and a halves, mm-hmm. minus 120, and there are no threes. Okay. Okay, so what happens inevitably is that the market's going to go to three on Sunday. And why? Because every expert out there is like, like it, it's like they're putting in their, their recommendation of who to bet, like late Saturday night before they go to sleep. And they're like, boy, I can't recommend the, the plus three because it doesn't exist. And I, I'm not going to recommend plus two and a half because that's stupid. It's plus two mm-hmm. and a half even money. So, so almost like if you, if you have 100 experts, 20 of them are going to say minus two and a half is my pick. And none of them are going to say, um, pl- you know, plus two and a half is my pick. But this is interesting. So to move the market. To so three. there's a finite number of games. And people have whatever criteria they or whatever requirements they have to meet. They might have to submit five picks into yes. the athletic or if they're a writer there or maybe they're selling pick. whatever they're doing. You're saying they, they face the moment of picking and a certain percentage is going to pick the game. That's two and a half and two and a half with extra vig. Not any specially more people just randomly there. Some people are going to have opinions on that, but they're going to look. And if they have an opinion on the dog, and there's no threes, they're going to say, I can't put this out. But the ones that had, now not that they're going to go with two and a half on the favor, but someone else is going to look and go, oh, yeah, I can lay two and a half. We don't even have at the athletic any two and a half extra VIG, so I'm just going to get, you know, get a nice little edge there. And then you're saying those picks filter out. People react to them, and it pushes it up. Exactly. Like, look at the, mm. look at the Westgate Super Contest. So you've got a situation where, like, oh, 
look at like like all these leaders are laying two and a half and none of them are taking two and a half. You know, mm-hmm. that must be the right side and the sharp side. And then on Sunday it goes to three. And guess what? Boom. Give me the plus three, you know, for a late release. Sure. And, and I don't think that it's irrational, the idea that as gambling becomes more prevalent, and it's much more prevalent since, you know, the repeal of the prohibition, that's two negatives, is a positive. Prevalent. Hmm? <laughs> Would you wanted to say a word that started with a P? No, I said prevalent. Uh, making, making fun of uh, Sal. I figured you would get the reference. Sal the stockbroker? Yeah. When's he say prevalent? Remember, uh, like, oh, versus prevalent? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was trying to read. He said prevalent. <laughs> well, you got that. They use that drop all the time. But what's what's funny is you got that history, but you didn't know they had the, the, the one game. I know. I know. <laughs> you still listen? Uh, rarely anymore. Yeah. I mean, have you listened even, uh, Howard Stern, uh, have you listened even three hours in the last month? No. Okay. okay. Not during football. Okay, so Fez, continuing with that question, as legalization has increased the handle and the amount of recreational batters, that in one sport, the NFL, that has the most recreational batters, the idea that the action in net in on Sunday, meaning all of it combined, doesn't sharpen the line, but it... It, it um, weakens the line and it makes it dumber. That doesn't seem crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, you've got all these people that are wagering what other people are telling them to wager on. Those people who are telling them what to wager on, oftentimes they're telling them the night before. So I can almost predict comes come Saturday night, oh, the money's got to flow in this direction. And that example I gave, now let's assume that line had been 2.9, okay? And there was nothing but plus three lay a dollar 20s. Then all of a sudden the opposite would have happened. Then I'm like, it's going to close two and a half because every expert's going to talk about, oh, and their contest picks is going to be plus three, and their recommendation to their clients is going to yeah, be plus three. Yeah, but but I, th- I I think that's a percentage of things. I think most people are just batting. Ooh. I think on, on Sunday, very I mean, it's a small percentage of saying, Fezzik put out this, so I'm batting this exactly and only that. Now maybe mm. your your audience. It has had years, I mean, quite frankly, years of winning. So maybe I would guess they're going to do it more than a typical audience. But in general, most people are not subscribed to uh, any kind of late premium service. They're just gathering info from varied sources. They have a, maybe this podcast. They might have five other pods or no other pods. Or would, it might be someone on TV. It might be a fantasy person. That does a gambling thing. But, but some of these experts are copying off of other experts. It uh-huh. becomes like the the big short where like like no, I agree like with every that. everyone's copying the ratings of everybody else. Yeah, I don't think it's because they're co- I don't think it's because they're copying the picks. I think the logic of it Yeah, they're it, reading is, it and is they're evident. like, Oh, that makes sense. I'm yeah. gonna go with that. Yeah. So but either way, why would that make so you're saying that's the betting action on Sunday? And thus, that's not going to be sharp action. Yes. But I'm saying that, that wouldn't it be even less sharp if someone was picking from their own picks? Yes, it would be. And, and I'm saying I think a huge chunk of people on Sunday are betting their own stuff with some vague senses of, I heard so-and-so like this. Yeah. Oh, I missed this show this week. I mean, if you're betting 20 bucks a game and you're making 50000 I mean, there's a lot of people bet a low amount of money that's just pure recreation. Pursuant to what you're saying, I know we don't talk baseball in this pod, but like last night, Game 7, Philadelphia, uh-huh. okay. there was a, cl- a clear, square, sharp book divide where 
the Phillies were higher, um, the price you were paying on Phillies at the square ball books around town, where the Phillies are like minus 170, whereas they're only like minus 160 at the sharp books. Yeah, and I would say them even a game seven of the championship round or the uh, National League or American League championship round, even game seven is going to have what on it compared to an NFL uh, game. I mean, it's going to be a lot. About, about the same, I think. You think? So, Mackenzie, I, I know, for example, on Sunday, the typical, you know, up at pregame.com, you can go. And actually, this is something you might have to be a little savvy with the system, but you can go into um, the tab that says consensus, and then you can actually see what the handle is for each of the games. And I know typically it's about $2 million for an average NFL game. What was the handle for the baseball game? NLCS Game 7 was $1.9 million. Okay, so what we're saying is it's about an average NFL game in this Game 7 of the uh, championship round for the American League and National League was about the same. And, Fez, you were saying how you think that the squares betting jacked up that price on Philly a little bit at the square shop. Exactly. And I, and I saw it. So it's basically, um, you, you even got a scalpable number, right? A post you could play, you could take plus 155 and lay minus 150 right before the, the game started. Okay. So the difference between 2 million and 5 million, because like Sunday night football will get up to 5 million. Like Dolphins Eagles was 4.96 in, in our pool. So, that's an extra three million. It's more than double, but I think that three million is made up what eighty percent square money. Yeah, just because the the pros are going to randomly or without any rhyme or reason over the course of a week be on a certain game, not on a certain game. So their hand, their amount is going to be about the same in every game over the long term. On any given game, it might be less, mm-hmm. right? So the difference between the Sunday night special, unless we'd say, but there was a lot of professional action there. Yeah, I don't know why it would be any more, at least. Now, maybe it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where when more squares bet on Sunday, they get more involved. If they move the line. Yeah. Only if they move the line. The yeah. public moves the line, then, then maybe the pros will get more involved. Yeah, because it might have moved it into a bettable area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in general, I would say if you more than double the handle and most of that handle is square— I can't imagine on Sunday that, that that square money doesn't move the line in a way that really makes it less sharp. I, I agree with that. And we've talked about the ultimate example is the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, where you find, you know, you go back in time and, and, and some of and even Billy Walters has said, you know, some of my biggest bets historically were the Super Bowl. Well, one, yeah, it was a lot easier to bet a million dollars. But two, the public would move the number the wrong way. Like, example. You know, it seems ludicrous. You know, you go back to the Green Bay Denver for a Super Bowl, and Denver was catching double digits with John Elway. Mm-hmm. How can that possibly? You ask people, well, what do you think that line was? People say, oh, well, two. You know, they can't believe it. You know, but, but the, what had happened was the public's like, oh, Denver always gets crushed in the Super Bowl, and Elway gets smashed. He was 0 3 at that point. Yeah. So with the increase of betting with legalization, I think the NFL, like, think of what level it had. Now, I'm guessing the division round. Can you go back, like, two weeks and look at, you know, just a random playoff baseball game? Sure. You think it's good? I'm going to guess, what, 1.2 maybe? I, I haven't oh, looked. I'll go under. If you it, think it, under. Well, a lot of these games are day games, too. Okay. Well, certainly some of them are. Mm-hmm. So. We're looking about 1, 1.4 is the highest. Okay. Oh, the highest. Okay. All right. So, it's about doubled for this game seven, a little bit le- or about half on average. 
a game like that, the public isn't going to have enough say in it to, to move the line. But come NFL Sunday, especially the prime times, and I think this is a reason the prime time unders are doing well. If they're moving the line a point, point and a half. It's a great, it's a great point. So the, so the prime time unders every, has been the rage and people talking about it. Three or four years now. And a lot of it is like the bookmakers like, oh, we know the public's going to bet over. So instead of opening 43, we'll make it 44. And then it gets bet up to 45. And the cumulative effect be outstanding value to play under. But now, now that the word is getting out about these prime time unders, maybe that might all change. Because now all of a sudden, some of the public might start betting primetime unders. In my experience, the most durable systems are the, in betting are the systems that fade the public. Because whatever it is that drives the public to do what they do, it's a stronger urge than any trend or system. Maybe for a week or two, they'll try it. The first time they lose it, they'll be like, I don't know, I'm going to, you know. March Madness underdogs. On that Thursday and Friday, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's a classic example where it's rarely wrong because the pu- public bets it once a year. You know, it doesn't matter. the The dogs can win every year, and the public's still going to bet on the better teams. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that's true. There's just it's like it's like when someone has a heart attack, they're eating celery the next day. But I don't think I've ever seen someone two and a half years later. You, you know, it's always the thing when it's a family event. And people show up with a Tupperware of their own thing. You know they recently had a heart attack or they're trying to make weight for something. And how often have you ever seen anyone? You've seen someone do that, right, AJ? Oh, yeah. How often in year three are they still doing that? Almost never. Yeah. I I usually only see it. My experience with it is with fighters who are trying to make weight. Yeah. I've I've been that guy before showing up at, you know, (laughs) eating rabbit food. You know, it's like, does this seller have any salt on it? You know? Yeah, but that means the next Thanksgiving, I'm getting extra pie. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think we have our uh, humans have instincts and they tend to be lazy. And they like excitement. And I think in general. And pie. It, it, say it again? And pie. Well, I think, uh, let me think about that. Lazy, excite. I mean, I find pie exciting yeah. myself. All right. Let's get to it, Fez. So I, I, I guess to wrap up what we were all talking about, we're saying that, that, that we think this, there's some value on Sunday's moves. But I think there's one other to fade them fade sometimes. The yeah. Yes. And you've been doing that with your premium guys. But I also think, and you were mentioning this recently, you're seeing a lot more betting from professional-level bettors before Wednesday at 5 p.m. Is that what time this comes out? 4 o'clock 4 Pacific. o'clock Pacific. Now, I think the reason Cornegay made this 4, or 4 o'clock Pacific on Wednesday is the first practice reports come out generally, and thus they get a much better feel for injuries. So you're going to see a lot of moves there. But but it just seems like that the lines are more corrected now than they were even three or four years ago. Yeah, I've told my wife she cannot schedule anything for me Monday from 8 a.m. until noon, for mm-hmm. instance, because it's too critical time. There's too much. The, the markets are going haywire, whereas in prior years it was very tame, very calm during that period of time. Because here's my theory, and I think you disagree with me on this one. I think there was a handful of syndicates that really knew what they were doing. They cared about getting down 100 dimes or what, or 200 dimes. So they didn't want to re- do anything before that to mess it up. And they had an appetite that was that big. Mm-hmm. Now I think there might be, I don't, I don't want to guess, 25, 30 groups that know something. You know, they don't know as much as Billy did allegedly back you know, in the day. But they know something, right? They're, they're gonna, if they bet, they're probably going to win long term. 
and they might be betting 20 dimes on a game. So there's no real motivation. Like if you can bet the WNBA for a nickel overnight and a nickel five minutes before tip and you bet 300 a game, would there be any reason just to wait? knock it out. No, yeah. because someone might take my number out. So yeah. let's just get, my, get me mine and I'm move on to the next thing. So I just think in general there's more winning groups. Again, I think the groups in general aren't near as good as they used to be, but they're still winning and they don't have an appetite beyond the limits on a Monday morning. So why not just do it? I agree with that. Yeah. All right. So that means maybe we got to call an audible and say, okay, the stuff that's more obvious isn't going to work. It's been shaped up. Or maybe more so the stuff that we've been using. And this is what makes gambling so interesting. You gotta keep evolving. You gotta stay a step ahead. Now, maybe this explains AJ's performance that has been outstanding, where he's like the counter wise, he's like the anti wise guy in a way. I'm saying in his nice demeanor, his all shucks attitude. Right? Like if you look at AJ, you wouldn't think that guy's a hard bitten wise guy. I, I don't think so. Exactly. Yeah. So you're coming at it from a different direction, and it's one direction, quite frankly, that in college football, one and one and one. And so it's not like you don't have great handicapping instincts. Those instincts – now, Fez is the ultimate wise guy, as in he not only learned from them all, he innovated some things, and he really has, but also he's scared to go against it. Like he, he's Too much the, so. He's on the outside of the club a little bit, but he still wants to be on the outside. He doesn't want to be out of the club. I think when you've been in the game for as long as guys like Fez have, you've you've developed all these things, you've learned all these things, and it becomes part of your— Dogmatic. Yeah, it's like this is this is what we do. But like you said, the game changes. Yeah. And I think you, you explained it really well when you were talking about Doyle Brunson. Like if, if Doyle Brunson was— playing the same way he played in 1980 at the World Series of Poker today wouldn't, wouldn't last long. Uh, I, I think that you, like it's it's important to, to change with it. Not that I – and you know. But in a way, it just came back. It, it, it swung in your favor. And Now, it would be interesting to see if you – you know what you should do for a couple – the rest of the season is do like three or three picks on Sunday night. Okay. Just log it. We won't ask every week, but I'd be interested because the only thing about the Doyle example that I, I think doesn't apply, Fez, is the idea that that in gambling the market is so important. Meaning, like, what is the price, which is the market deciding that maybe people was going to re-raise Doyle, or not maybe they'd re-raise him more, or whatever, compared to 1980. But then he'd figure out how to counter that in theory because he could iterate. But with the market, it isn't like that. It's like, oh, I want this price at eight and a half. It's at seven. What do you do? There's nothing to do at that point. There's yep. no trick. There's no bluff. You know, I think derivative betting is interesting. You know, you know that brings up an interesting point, Fez. You have often said you can get at a move late with derivative bets. Sure. So an example being, hey, that game just moved from three, three to three and a half. Oh, look, they moved the derivative a little bit, but not really on the first half. Play the first half. Or play the money line, you know, would be the most obvious one. But then but then the first half, then the team total. And it's a lot easier to do this on game day. Remember, you can't do this but on— So the, you're supposed to fade the moves on game day, some of the moves on game day. Yes, but if you want to get at the a move on, on game day, you would— you, there's all kinds of derivative markets to play into. Those derivative markets don't exist on Wednesday. Oftentimes, like team totals, like there's most of the books don't even offer team totals on Wednesday. I think that's going to change. I mean, the direction that these alternative NFL bets have gone, 
has been like a rocket ship, I think. I don't I mean, I think what the books have proven to us is they don't mind losing to certain people, though if they can identify them, they'll kick them out. But they want as much they want they say a, a great quarterback is a deodorant that you can have a lot of things wrong with your team. Well, you can have a lot of things wrong with a book, but if you got massive handle from the public, you're going to do okay. You're going to do okay, no doubt. So hopefully the derivatives start coming out earlier and earlier because that's how you. I mean, think about this will be the last thing we'll get to the games. Think about the early lines that the Golden Nugget used to put out on the college bat football games, like June 1st or whatever, right? Yeah, games of the year. Tony, Tony Miller and those, mm-hmm. yeah. They were number one. Like, and it was a long, you know, I think day, weeks ahead of other people. And then South Point said, hey, we can compete with them. They did it. And now it's like in the NFL, remember, it was um, where Colbert was at. Uh, oh, I'm having a mental block. What, 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 CGT Cantor. Yeah, a Cantor game. The Cantor was coming out with every line on every game. And no one else had that. Yeah, it was pioneer work. And yeah. then now that these books are up literally like a minute after the schedule with every game. Exactly. That's a great example. So I got a feeling these first halves, these team total, I mean, first halves are out there, but some of these things are just going to, in the next couple of years, more and more and more. I agree with that. Which would be good because it's where my, I find my interest moving towards just because I think there are some real opportunities. And your edge isn't big enough on these sides. You're looking for 53.5% plays, and you can find 55% plays in, on these derivatives. Yep. Let's do it. Best. Now, let's think about this. I told Fez, you went, I, I'm going to still give Fez the honors. It's it's tenuous. <laughs> What's your best bet? I'm, I'm due. So I'm, I, I flipped him, AJ, so do so accordingly. My best bet is the New York Jets. I know Jay Cornegay is shading his number against me, but I got to tell you, RJ, my numbers have such value on the Jets. So Jets minus two and a half. They're at but the... you you had your four weight as your five weight. Yes. Well, well, I, when you get to that, I want to understand. I want to understand why you changed it. Because my power ratings are overwhelmingly that the Jets are the better play. Okay. By the way, go this ahead. is Scott's five weight as well. All right. So he, Scott is in Absentia. Yeah, he's in Australia. Oh, in a, well, he's down in under. Yeah, he's he's down under. Absentia, yeah. Australia. But. <laughs> Yeah, but his in absentia doesn't tell us where he is. It means he's not here. He's down and out. I don't know if that means down <laughs> under, but he's down and out. Mm, it's the I, corniest joke ever been said on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm 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 curious to see where pregame's own proprietary numbers are on these teams because I have the the difference between these two teams five points. I have the Jets just a slightly below average team, and I have the Giants a bottom of the barrel number thirty in the league team. We have the Giants number 30. We have the Jets 5.4 points better. All right. So, so our numbers are in lockstep here, right? So you're, you're saying how many? Five. Okay. So do we consider the fact that Giants have played a lot better recently? It's a good point because the, a lot's going on with the Giants. They played a lot mm-hmm. better the last two games. That Buffalo game in particular, they, mm-hmm. they left some points on the board, and they're playing without Danny Dimes. So the team is playing harder without with with the backup quarterback but the backup quarterback's not going to be as good you know yeah but i mean i heard that there was talk with dayball of saying like you know hey if 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 danny dimes and (laughs) he's anti-dime is if he's like not a hundred percent but he could play do we maybe like they were trying to catch him in like some conditionals I mean, right now, what would you if 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 Danny Dimes came back, if Daniel Jones came back, how many, would you upgrade the Giants? I think so, but not by a lot. Probably by a point. Does that feel wrong to you? 
I don't know. It seems like he's playing so bad this year. Like he's doing good stuff with his with his legs. When he does get pressured, that, that that's the one thing he's doing well. I'll be honest. In this game in particular, like I, I was hoping to get a three with the Giants. I was going to have the Giants on my card this week with three, but I'd rather have Tyrod Taylor than Daniel Jones against the Jets. The Jets' best games against Buffalo, Philly, and then the loss to Kansas City. They dominated the turnover battle because the quarterbacks were trying to do too much. The one thing Tyrod Taylor doesn't do is turn the ball over. He doesn't make those big mistakes. Daniel Jones is a mistake-prone guy. That is true. Tyrod Taylor had the fumbles in there. You know, where is the home field advantage here? The Giants are the home team? No, they're not. This, I mean, this is going to be a split crowd. Well, no, no. Same stadium. No, 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 no. Each year, there's a each time they play, there is a home team. And they are they're allotted their full tickets. The season ticket holders, are yeah. All like the so Jets season ticket holders aren't there. Yeah, yeah. So that is an important point. How much I agree with that. How much is the crowd in the home field? Because the home field is a lack of travel, familiarity with the stadium, mm-hmm. and then there's the crowd. And to me, two of those three are not relevant. So maybe we give them a half a point mm-hmm. instead of one and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. even even that. I mean, the demand. No, it's at least got to be a half. I can give it. I can give a half, but I do think that some of the some of the Giants fans are going to sell their t- their their tickets to Jets fans because the Jets are having a better year. Yeah, but there's, I tell you, I've been in New. I mean, I the the divide between Giants and Jets fans, and if and if, there's more Giants fans, there's no doubt about that. But the the Jets fans are more intense. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say there's a real divide of almost like culture. It feels almost like Democrat Republican. The mm. Jets are the working class. The Giants are a little highfalutin. Is is the attitude? And those Jets fans hate that. I mean, you know, it's like Boston versus the Yankees. Their hate is a strong word, but there's a real rivalry. I think it's fair to say. I don't think a lot of them is going to miss that game because mm. it's such a. Compa- that, that's that, that that that's a good point. But the, it'll be interesting when you watch the game. Report back because I won't be watching yeah. that one. Report back next week and say what was the crowd. You know, sure. And you know, and, and just projecting ahead. I mean, the Jets are going to win like eight games this year, and the Giants are going to win like four or five. The Jets are clearly the better team in a neutral site here. I agree with that. So McK- what's interesting is a couple of weeks ago you said the Jets are now the worst team in the AFC East. That's because that, the, the Patriots are better than the Jets now when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. That was your quote. I was wrong. I, yeah. I thought Wilson was going to be like get thrown under the bus by the locker room and there, there was going to be a mutiny, and he suddenly learned how to play quarterback. Yeah, he had changed. a couple good plays. No, I, here was my thinking on the Jets. Why are they any worse this year than they were last year? When they won seven last year. Because Nathaniel right? Hackett's the OC now. Yeah, no. Is... I mean, it doesn't seem like that's a problem. I mean, get, here's the thing. Do we really have an ability to judge Hackett as an offensive coordinator? They're better because they're running backs back. Yeah, I mean, Hall's back. I would, you know, it, where the second half of the year he was. I mean, if you look, the Jets finished the year like two and nine. Or, or only one, two out of Their nine. Their quarterback's better now he, than last he's year. He's a better version. And, Gar- and their wide receiver stud is better. There's a lot yeah. across the board. Their offense is better. So if their defense is the same, they should win eight or nine instead of seven. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. So the question is, where's the Giants at? The only thing that causes me any pause at all is the idea that the Giants have looked a lot better. Um, what was last week's game? 14-7. They beat the Commanders. Okay. Sam Health. Missed a wide open receiver, they'd be going into overtime. Oh, here we go. All right, you got one to counter it? No, I, I, all, all I'll say is this: like the the Giants, I and this is the Giants were one of my 
two winners last week on the pod. But my thought was the Giants were kind of going without training wheels all of a sudden because they've been playing this brutal schedule, and then they got to play the Commanders. And it was like like when you've played the Cowboys and the Niners and the Dolphins and the Bills, uh, it's got to be easier. See, that's an an interesting point. If you look at that schedule – and by the way, just to kind of do the QB comparison real quick and we'll move on to the schedule, then we got to pick from Diamond Dave Essler on this game. Daniel Jones, PFF 66. Taylor, 69. (laughs) Nice. Quarterback QBR, 39 for Daniel Jones. And 50 is the raw QBR because he doesn't qualify yet. 50 from Taylor. So objectively better in the limited games. Though, again, straight – well, I guess he played the bill, so he played at least an average team. (laughs) 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 Uh, can Can you put their schedule up real quick? Let's listen to Diamond Dave. And he agrees with you. He has the Jets on the money line, minus 145. Let's listen. Giants, the G-men, they kept our dream pod roll going forward last week. But this week, we are betting against the Giants. I love the Jets' money line. Look, the Jets are 3-3. Three and three. They've got to be in borderline utopia, considering all they've been through. Well, the Giants are probably borderline dystopia, if you look deeper into who they really are. And I don't think they know who they really are, who their quarterback is. Look, they've scored 85 points this year. 85. 31 of them, or 36% of their total points scored this year, were in the second half of that game against the Cardinals. The books know the Giants are 25-1 to to make the playoffs. The Jets are plus 310, and that's actually a viable bet considering they'll be favored in over half their games going forward, regardless of who's on their center. And if nothing else, Wilson's gaining confidence. He's not turning the ball over. But to be honest, they might not need him this week. Jets have the number three rush offense in the league. They are going against the Giants' run defense, which is 29th in terms of yards per play allowed. The Jets are averaging two takeaways per game, and they're the third least penalized team in the league. Give me the ball, don't commit penalties. The Giants have more ways to lose this game than the Jets do. Ultimately, the Jets have the better coach, the better quarterback, and the better defense. What more do I need? The answer to that is absolutely nothing. Jets' money line, minus 145. Diamond Dave agreeing with you, Faz. You like that, don't you? And I like the fact that Diamond Dave was willing to lay minus 145. So if On the money line. If we p- plug that into our little calculator, yeah, yeah, yeah. the minus 2.5 is actually better value than a minus 145. You can tell how good a handicapper is when Faz is that competitive. Diamond oh, yeah. Dave Esler, also known as Uncle Dave, on Twitter, slash X, you can follow him, Dave underscore Esler, E-S-S-L-E-R. Now, I'm going to pull an AJ. <laughs> All right, here I am. You know something? Look at these Giants. They haven't lost one game, not one game, that they should have won. They lost, started the season against the Cowboys. Makes sense, right? Lost to the 49ers, lost to the Seahawks. Oh, wait, I got to do this a little different. He, uh, they started with uh, the Cowboys. And then next, um, f- well, yeah, then the 49ers. Is that sound right? I, if you say <laughs> We'll pull it up. You have your computer right there. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. Yeah, that's good. Forty. But here's who they lost to. All joking aside, Cowboys, 49ers, Seattle, Dolphins, Bills. Who are they supposed to beat on that list? None of them. Now they beat the Cardinals easily, right? Yeah. No. No. Not they easily. Got... <laughs> they, they, they beat the Cardinals. Well, not they had, easily. They had a huge edge in the second half, and then they beat the Commanders. And what were they were underdogs even in that Commanders game? They were Three point home, dog. home dogs. Yeah, and they still beat them. Yep. And the best two games have been the last two games. I agree with that. 
That's the other side of it. I'm not saying you're wrong, Fred. I'm saying that's an interesting side, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Who's well, better, the Jets or the Commanders? I'm confused about the Commanders. So Easy question only. Who's better, the Jets or Washington? I think the Jets are. Let me ask you this. All right, let me finish my thought. Okay, then right. you can ask. So I've got a comp here. Last week, if you, want, if you love the Giants and you want to bet on Giants, you should have taken three. The Giants were home. Playing Washington, a crumb bum team. It was like three minus 20, wasn't it? Yeah. Now they're playing, instead of a crumb bum team, they're playing almost an average team. They're still home, but now they don't get a true home field anymore because the other team's from the same city. And now they're not getting three. They're only getting two and a half. Much worse situation, obviously, when you do the comp. Yeah, but obviously last week, lane three minus 20 was a horrible pick. So, I mean, it has but, to be. But, but I'm saying. Yeah, that, I agree with you. I agree. And it wasn't like that they were styling and they. It wasn't like the Raider game where they just won by 30. I mean, there was they, 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 they were barely holding on at the end of the game. The funny thing was when we were – because McKenzie, uh, he had a, two plays he was thinking for his fifth pick, and he said, what do you think? And one was Washington, and one was what? Kansas City. Kansas City. Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City was Thursday? No, they played the oh, Chargers on Sunday. I'm sorry. Oh, Going back to the okay. time, yeah. And, and I said, well, it's you got to look at you know Washington there. I go, because it was three minus 20, and we right. were laying two and a half in the contest. Sure. I guess I'm just trying to make it clear that you know that was an easy choice of mine. Mm. And really, it was almost a rhetorical question. So you can't blame me, right? So right? if we were willing to lay two and a half with with the crumbum Washington football team, we're certainly going to lay two and a half with the Jets but team. But the market was laying three. I know. I mean, what did that close at? Did it go down? I think it closed three. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It wasn't like there was some huge buyback. No. All right. So, I, listen, as usual, if you only present one side, you're not presenting enough. So I think we saw both sides, but you and Diamond Dave on the Jets. And Scott. And Scott in abstentia. So he's in he's in Alberta if he is in no, abstention. Be down. No, no, okay. All right, my best bet. I this is gutsy. I can't lie. Usually, when my back's up against the wall the most is when I make the gutsiest moves. Carolina Panthers. Triple like. Yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> this is my three weight. Okay, I like that. Good handicap. And I'm surprised AJ has. This is my two weight. Yeah. I, I was surprised AJ was on it also. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to be my, – my take is this, and this is something some quarters are really talking about, others aren't. It's probably the biggest thing to me. It's the play caller change during the bye. Yeah. So it was Frank Reich, and now it's the OC. What's his name? Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown. Uh, it sounds like – the Thomas Brown affair, I think, was a move. Oh. Thomas Crown. Oh, okay, Close. okay, yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of big, and it's not big because of operationally how much better it's going to be. It's there's a sense of a start over, a fresh start. So the quarterback young is going to be like, okay, if I do good from here, we can all say from the chain, from the new OC. And I bet there was some tension between because Reich said in the preseason he was going to like hand it off. What did he say? I got to make sure we get six losses, then I'll hand it off. <laughs> but, but I mean, it does feel like that that OC had to say, "What the hell? I'm going down with the ship. I'm supposed to be calling these plays." You know, when I used to shoot a lot of pool, like we would be in my basement and we had a pool table, and we'd call the bookie at six thirty, get the lines, and we'd shoot pool and talk games until twenty five after. I caught make the bets, turn on the TV, watch the games, shoot pool. There's a lot of pool shooting. 
And I had like a, an actual cue that you could break down. You know, it was two, a two-piece cue. And whenever I was shooting and missing, I missed like three shots I didn't like missing, I would unsnap the cue and resnap. And it was a little habit I had. It was like start over, right? Sometimes I was doing that I a see lot. See where the story's going now. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it does, if you can clear your head and say, forget about what you've done, it's from here on that matters. It can really help if you've had a bad run. I think that's the phenomenon going on with Carolina here, potentially. Um, I have some other stuff, some trend stuff, but why don't we uh, – who had the higher – you had a three, so we'll start with you and then go to AJ. Uh, let me go first because my stuff actually relates oh, oh, to ahead, yours. Yeah, I, I, that was my handicap too is the Thomas Brown thing. I think it's a – and I agree with you it being a reset – but I also think we're going to see a lot. Remember, Thomas Brown comes from the McVay tree. I have no idea. Oh yeah, now I do remember. We're we're going to see a lot more pre-snap motion, a much more modern approach. The Panthers dead last in receiver separation. The entire Rams offense is built around getting receivers open. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see it, we're going to see more success from the receivers. Uh, now, but let's be clear: they didn't change the playbook. No. So, like, but, some of those plays, Frank, the good plays, Frank Greg had to call, these receivers just aren't getting separation, right? Right. But the but remember in the preseason, Frank Reich said, I'm going to call plays in the first half, you call plays in the second half. The first and second half of the game? First and second half of the game. That makes no sense. It made no sense at all. But if Frank Reich called the plays in the first half with Bryce Young, second half, it would be Thomas Brown. And the the offense was better. You see these guys moving pre-snap. It gets guys open. If you're not, yeah, if against, you're not against, using motion, against guys that are selling used cars right now. But you agree in, in 2023, if you're not using pre-snap motion, it's very difficult to have a, a modern offense. I, I would, I mean, again, I only can learn what I'm told by people who spend their lives in these numbers. But up until last year, that was the case. If you just said pre-snap motion plays versus not, there was a EPA difference. Last two years, there hasn't been. Because okay. I think the league's caught up to it. But that said, now Miami's innovating and doing it differently, and it helps them. But but I think the pre-snap motion is what we can see. There's a lot of things. I mean, that's the thing I, I – listen, there's a lot of things I'm not humble about. Me saying this – people spend their lives doing this. I, I'm not going to pick it up from the TV broadcast, you know, for the couple games in a week. So in general, I kind of accept. I don't know what it is that's different between these elite guys and the non-elite coordinators, but it seems more complicated than motion. But I think in general, this guy has more. Fa- I, there's more faith in him, Thomas Crown, than there is for Frank Reich. So I agree with you. I just think we're identifying the wrong thing to say that's the emblem of it. And then I think the lesson that everybody should have learned last week is we have to stop thinking that it's okay to bet bad teams as road chalk and the Texans well, I mean, bad is a relative term sure but like Washington last week was relative to, to the Giants we thought Washington was yeah, not but bad. it's not like one it's not like one game is no, good. There was like, it, the, so road dogs uh road favorites excuse me mm-hmm. last week home home dogs went six and0 oh, mm-hmm. ATS five and one straight up and the one loss was the Colts Lost that they should have beat the Browns if it wasn't for you bad officiating. If he wasn't winning, I would have. I mean, like, what do you say to that? But he's winning so no, much. No, I actually, I actually, oh, I, I, agree. Was, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, there was a lot of games that became a bridge too far. Where it's fine to say, you know what, we can make we can make Vegas a favorite at Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, we can make 
you know, Washington a favorite at the Giants. Mm -hmm. But then, like, like it got out, like, like we talked about these moves on Saturday, Friday, Friday night, Saturday night. They're not just the favorite; they're moving all the way to three. But if if they went to seven, why would it matter if these teams are the opponents winning by twenty points? Like in a weird, I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with they were a home favorite or a road dog. Well, I just think it's irrational ex exuberance on the bet. People are saying they're the better team, so they're going to win by a by a field goal. And I think I, I like, boy, you could say they're going to win by by you know maybe up to three. It just seemed like it, it that the, the these these spreads went crazy last week. In general, I used to not look at any league wide like trends in a year, meaning like scoring or like I it was going to be a modest amount of change. I don't bet a lot of total. I actually believe that there's trends like, hey, too high now because now there's going to be more of this, less of this. I just don't know how home dogs against bad opponents, you know, mm -hmm. which means bad home dogs, what kind of trend, like what could that be a meaning of? But I guess maybe one thing, but this would have been the case always, if a team doesn't know how to be a road favorite, it's a problem. See, that's what impressed me about Detroit, not last week. The but fact they took care of business yeah, in Tampa. A that's couple a bad spots, role. Yeah, a couple Road. spots where this team's not you Like the Patriots did it for 20 years. I agree years. with that. So maybe in general, Houston, because part of my handicap, too, might feed into what you're saying, AJ. It's just it's not about last week 6-0. and Go ahead. Yeah, like the last time the Texans were favored on the road, week 14 of 2021. They were favored by one point at Chicago, mm -hmm. and they lost thirty-six to seven. Yeah. Last time they were three-point favorites was week week four or week eight of twenty twenty-one, and they didn't cover there either. Like they're this is just not a team used to being road favorites. You so. know, forget about forget about this year and what's going on. And there are you know certain things where you say well, like like in it's RJ, a fundamental you, change. Yeah, you identified that with the, with, with, with the um, Ben don't break defenses mm -hmm. and that like like you got to dink and dunk down the field and guess what lower scoring games because of that um, and that's borne out so you're absolutely correct on that but like here I'm going to go back to tried and true I got a winless team later in the year off a of bye that is something I always want to invest in because it just makes so much sense because the math geek people run their numbers and they say here's the power rating on the game okay and they don't figure in the fact that this is spinal tap we turn the 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 effort up to mm -hmm. 11 mm -hmm. because we've been told for two weeks how much we suck. So one team's off of a bye and they're going to Cancun and celebrating, whereas our coaches are circling the wagons and working overtime to make this happen. And in this case, even more so, we picked the wrong quarterback. So we're getting... that, that was going to be my point. And, Go ahead. Yeah. And, and I think with, with Houston, they got a head coach. They're not in Cancun, right? I mean, that's a, it's a serious coach. And they're excited about their performance, but I think the whole young, specifically getting picked first. I mean, you think about this. I don't know if I've ever remembered a situation like this that there was so clearly a number two pick that's better at quarterback than a number one. Now we might, in hindsight, be remember when we thought that Stroud was better. Well, who knows, right? But as of now, we were asking after a couple weeks who would, how many people would take uh, young right now if they were picking one? Oh, nobody would. I mean, I mean, it's, it's it'd just, be a smaller. It's, well, smaller. it's just what the odds would be. I think we set the, the lines of like I said, like no vig, like minus two twenty. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms in terms of who who will have the better career. You know, yeah. And I don't know if that's right or not, but what I know is I don't remember something quite like this where they're playing in a weird way, right where the there's a crescendo of talk because if Young keeps doing badly. And Stroud keeps doing well. It's going to be an old story. It's like if we say Trevor Lawrence is better than than Trey Lance. I mean, that only had a, a three year shelf life, <laughs> and then finally it was over. Well, 
this feels like a situation where if Stroud keeps going and Young keeps going down, we're not going to d- debate it, right? We're not going to debate. Yeah. So this feels like the culmination of that. This is Carolina Super Bowl to try to to, to, to squelch that before it's like 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 just becomes common knowledge that they screwed up and took the wrong guy. Now, there's a couple ways to look at these trends slash systems. One of them is your way, which is off a of buy. And the theory is if any team's going to make a change, it's now. Now, I would make the case that change in OC means there's a chance to have some trick plays, some you know, almost like what Chicago did against the Patriots after I think they had a 10-day break. But they came out running the ball last year, and no one expected it with Fields running so much, and they dominated that game. It was schematic. I think there's a hell of a chance that Carolina has a play or, or a um, couple plays that break that's tricky that helps them, right? But then there's not the other way to look at it in a system is if a team is 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 if you're winless, when do you start kicking butt? ATS. And in general, this week is one week too soon. Meaning week eight's a loser if you just blindly bet all zero mm. uh, win teams. You don't do well here. But starting next week, it's like 63% the rest of the year. But one thing I dug a little deeper, which is, what do you think the record is if a team has zero or one ATS covers? Because Carolina has a push. No covers. So I made it zero or one, and it's kind of interesting. Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying from when to when, McKenzie? Uh, whole database since 1989, after week eight, if you have no wins. Oh, oh okay, you got the exact number. Yeah. So um, after week eight, so week nine and on, if you have zero wins and you just bet them blind, seven— no, Including week eight, so including this week. Okay, but do me a favor. Look at week eight by itself because you can take a really good trend— And bomb it. Yeah, it's 13 and 21 in week eight. So take do week nine and beyond, and then we're going to say starting next week— if Carolina doesn't win, it is 66 and 34. That's 66 percent, Fed. So, so what is it, week nine? I, I think it's random. I mean, it's not random, but whatever phenomenon's. I mean, the team's getting so sick of it. Well, but why am I suddenly? What is it? Halloween? When I'm passing out the candy, I'm like, I realize how this is enough is enough. I guess you start sniff. <laughs> you might start sniffing. You might sniff the 0 and 17. Maybe, maybe that's when the discussion starts. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, I I think whenever you have a break point like that, just assume the week before, the week after, you're not sure. That's yeah, why. Yeah. That's why I want to show week nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if week yeah. nine is oh, great. Oh, week it is. Week nine is twenty. And five ATS. I, 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 so I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. No, no, I think you're right generally. But, but what I'm saying is, if you say covers, there's only a one or less cover of the prior games. It's outstanding. It's like high. It's like almost seventy percent. So we bet like we bet Carolina, and we start martingaling. And if we lose, we 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 start <laughs> we doubling and tripling lines. and quadrupling down. Oh yeah. And look, yeah, that's it, McKenzie. That's good. He. uh he got this up for me. So if it is a scenario that you go from week six on, okay, so now we're gaining a couple weeks, but now we say the cover, you've either covered zero or one. So you've crapped the bet even on ATS. It's actually 2.3 points per game, and it's uh, 73 and 49. So it's almost it's about 60%, but 2.3 points, which is even better. So we're hitting this from a couple different strategic or, or system directions. So we're backing a multi- um, uh, motivated, winless team that everyone else has lost faith in. Off in a bye market. with a dip, new OC, a start over, and, and Houston in a spot they're not familiar with. This team is not familiar with 
oh, yeah, we're traveling and we're supposed to be favored. We're fine. This is one of these games that the final score could be 35 to 10 and the dog could win. We'd be like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Or vice versa. Or vice yeah. versa. I mean, and that's part of betting bad teams. you got to have the guts to look foolish. Like when I bet Green Bay or I bet Chicago against Green Bay in week one. <laughs> oh, yeah. He shamed me. It was like, it was, it was, it was, I call it underdog shaming. I think the exact thing happened except switched when, uh, that's called favorite shaming. Jacksonville and Indy played. Uh, you said, how can you do this? No, 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 no. I made a pick. You guys all made the other pick and you attacked me from every direction. Yeah. And then when they ended up winning by 40 or whatever, I said, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? (laughs) So let's tell the story right. I wasn't shaming you guys. You were shaming me. No, you're just taking the shame in numbers. Well, no, you were all saying, I can't believe you don't see that. And then I explained my case. You go, you know, it's kind of a good case, isn't it? (laughs) All right. um, So anything else in this one? Oh, yeah, because uh, we have a... Do we have a derivative? Yep. Uh, Scott has a derivative. He is playing. Uh, Where is he? Down under. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina in the first quarter plus a half point. And it kind of goes into what we said. Well, about- remember, when someone misses, we make fun of them. So what was it, three and one this year? <laughs> <laughs> it, it goes. It goes. It's, so it's they're five and one ATS in the first quarter. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Defense yeah. allowing three point three points per first quarter. So not three and one, five and one. But it uh, all ties in with what we're saying that we're going to surprise them with the new. Play. No, that, that, that's, no, that's an interesting point. Actually, that's there's going to be no film on what you see here. Technically, that's, that's a, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. Now, do I recall correctly? Scott was the one that a week ago was. Going, yep, I haven't missed any days with this bug. I have yes. mm. And then, like, a couple of times he did, like, a, a, a like a flex. Lex Luger flex, like, mm. with his traps and everything. Yeah. You think God heard that and said, a little sprinkle? Uh-huh. All right. So you believe God is malicious? Towards Scott? Well, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I think God is a, an angry and powerful God at times. Wow. Well, don't F with him, then. Exactly. We're not supposed to talk about that. About God's power? Just no God. Oh, okay. Huh? Who said there's no God? So the you're allowed to. One said that. You're allowed to rate women, but I can't mention. <laughs> that is sad, actually. <laughs> Fez could say that the movie stars he wouldn't want to sleep with, but 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 Scott in Abstentia can't mention. Liz God. Hurley looks great at 58. <laughs> Congratulations, Fez. Is that like? Do you ever wonder if you're on your deathbed that you'll know this is the last time I'm ever going to jack off? Like, if you're dying and you just feel a stern down there, wouldn't you want to get one last one off? You know what I've thought about before? I've never thought about that, but okay. I've thought so about So let's talk about what you thought about. Well, it's, it's a similar thing, <laughs> but, like, when you're married, in almost in every marriage, this could there be comes the last time. some point where it just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, old people don't do the it. The Stones have a song. It's, I, it's called Last Time. And it makes me Oh, wonder, is that what like, it refers to? I, I think, it, well, it yeah. means, like, last time, because oh, okay. Mick's going to go bang the friend or something, oh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put up the lyrics the last time. It's actually one of their early songs. You've heard it, yeah. right? This could be the yeah. last time. Oh, that was pretty good. All right. Well, for me, for me. <laughs> but I'm saying this is... Oh, so you're saying... Well, see, that's the thing. I do think... Now, if you're married, you got kids, it's going to be a different, you know, extraditing. Yeah. But but I think when you're with a girl and you're younger and it's not as serious and you get a sense it's fading, you, you kind of have that sense. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, yeah... Is when you have like a second time in a row that it wasn't particularly hot for either, 
that's when because if if that stays hot, people will put up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. But if that starts feeling a little off, I've hooked up with a girl and is like no way. The second we no. finished, I've said. That's not going to happen. Now anymore. that's different, though. That's different. That's saying it was a Saturday night, a Friday night. No, I'm not. I'm saying not the first time. I'm saying like a, oh. someone that I've been dating. And oh, it's okay, like, okay, okay. Yeah, it's just not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. All right. So this is what the lyrics. No, that was. The, but but I do think there there is that the first you know like the 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 harsh light of day, as they say. Um, so I told you once. I told you twice. But you never listened to my advice. Ooh. I could play, play this for fast sometimes. You don't try very hard to please me with what you know that should come easy. What does that even mean? With what you know that should come easy. Like her whole job is giving BJs? I mean, yeah, it sounds like a lady of the that's night, that line. Thinks. Okay, now you might be right, Mackenzie. This could be the last time. This could be the last time. Maybe the last time. I don't know. I'm sorry, girl, but I can't stay. Feeling like I do today. Well, it's today, so it's not a lady of the night. Too much pain, too much sorrow. I guess I feel the same tomorrow. Okay. Uh-huh. If All you right. work during the day, but you're a lady of the night, you have to have like a special title or a special permit. I don't think they, they don't. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> they wake up at 11 Let me PM. think about it. Who's doing the 1030 AM hooker? I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I mean, as, that was actually funny. Yeah, as Rory or not Rory, but what, um, what was his name on uh, Succession? It, the middle, the young one. It was uh, Calkin. Was it? Uh, fucking Kendall. Uh, Roman. Roman. Roman yeah. yeah, Romulus. Um, Roman at one point said, "What I, what I, he goes, what I consider fun's different with an average person." I like being with a girl who's a prostitute but doesn't know it yet. <laughs> so, you know, there are hybrids, you know. Um, at least Roman said so. Okay. So, yeah, I think we got that all covered. Mm-hmm. But back to my question. If you're dying, it's going to happen, AJ. I know. Remember when Elaine on Seinfeld goes, I just don't see it. I don't see you <laughs> die. <laughs> And let's say you get a stern, and it's been a while. Uh-huh. Do you think this is probably my last chance? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then is it going to be like, you want to talk about like a post, you know, coital crash. That'd be, oh, yeah. that was it. That could be like. That could that's kill the, him. That, that's the bad side. Like what happens if you die during and like when the medics get there, they find you. With well, I, hand. Th- I think that's what they have, you know, with the fixing, you know, the the self. What do they call that? The auto erotic oh, fixation. fixation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you ever worry about that, McKenzie? Do you ever think of getting a, med- <laughs> a medical alert bracelet? McKenzie sure knew the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. I heard that thing click right when I started on the top. There's safety goes, devices for that. Like, Don't worry. This is why I'm a domain expert at certain <laughs> things. <you know. laughs> but actually, that would be good if you were an auto erotic asphyxiator. You could get one of those bracelets that, like, for if an old person falls or whatever. And then if somehow you feel like, you know, you just press it, and then I guess you'd be dead. All right. I'm, I don't know. Maybe. Is that how David Carradine went? Allegedly. Man, that's a bad way to go. Don't start talking about Richard Gere, right? We don't need every rumor. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Now, a little hint for those who, and again, I'm not saying you want to do this, but, well, no, that'll be the next, that'll be another pod. All right. <laughs> Fezzik's like, yeah, that's, let's move on. <laughs> All right. 
Your best bet, AJ. Cincinnati plus three and a half at San Francisco. Line dropped from five and a half to three and a half to Ooh, today on the Purdy news. This is news. fascinating game. Go ahead. And I feel like the two points is probably about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, but, so that's not the factor. So what do you like? First of all, no Debo. And what Debo does is, and I think you saw how much he was missed last week, against a blitz, he's that safety blanket. He's the guy that Purdy's always able to find. With an offensive line that's still banged up, questionable. Trent Williams still questionable. You're going against a Bengals team that's seventh in pass rush per PFF. Now, Purdy does well against a blitz-heavy scheme. Sam Darnold does not historically do well against a blitz-heavy scheme. What does Sam Darnold do well against? That's a good question. I just meant relatively, I guess. What should this line be? Uh, Two and a half. Okay, the line should be two and a half. So these are even teams pretty much. Without Brock Purdy. Without Brock Purdy. Ooh. What do you I also, think, guys? No. Okay. So I have a I have Cincinnati one and a half points better than an average team, mm-hmm. and I have San Francisco three and a half better. So now, what's the assumption that quarterback? So that's with um, Sam Darnold. Okay. And what adjustment did you make for two Sam? and a half points? Okay. That that's on the high end, I would think, right? You know, that's interesting because I I don't have a feel for how the marketplace um, perceives. Per- I can tell you this. He was in contention to be an MVP two weeks ago, and now they lose two games in a row. One of one of them after a kicker misses a game-winning field goal, and I might suddenly. Yeah, but still, Purdy did not play well against Cleveland. Mm, no, he didn't. He didn't. But it was bad weather. Yeah, if you have yeah. small, so you're the seventh round pick. That's what happened. So maybe you're right. Maybe so. I have. I think everyone agrees with my Darnold. I have Darnold minus two and a half, and I think I think. First that, of all, I don't think many or everyone agrees with that. I think mm. this, the Sam Darnold people have been lying in wait. <laughs> And if he puts up a good game here, it's going to be the lead story on every talking head show. I already saw. Who was that dude that was the Lions quarterback for like eight plays? That's at ESPN. He's the quarterback guy. Orlovsky? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, you don't, you don't know Daniel I, Yeah, I think of him as a Texans quarterback, but I guess he, he was a Lions quarterback. Well, where did he play? Put more time? He ran out of the end zone the Lions, I'm in sure. Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I remember that play. So he was saying he thinks Sam Darnold is just as good, if not better, than Purdy. And he said one's a seventh-round pick, one's the third pick in the draft. Who do you think's better? He's smoking crack. I mean, did But Sam what I'm Darnold saying is there look, is that contingent out there. Yeah, fair enough. And I promise you, and AJ, you were here when I did this. I retired my badgering of Sam Darnold. You did. I said, if you stay down, I won't keep beating on you. Well, they're coming up. This is also a quote from you that mm-hmm. I remember. All right. I would rather ha- this is this is me as RJ. I would rather have a random guy from Sunset Park be my quarterback <laughs> than Sam Darnold. And I think we can. <laughs> now, what agree was the rationale of that? That we know what Sam Darnold is. Yes. The lottery ticket's been scratched. It's none of the numbers matched. You could throw it in the <laughs> that trash. That random guy might have been the UNLV quarterback. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> but I think we can agree Brock Purdy is better than anybody who's hanging out at Sunset Park. He has been up to this point. There's okay. been a lot of times a young – here's the thing. More times than not, if someone is drafted way outside of where you'd expect – well, let's just say not in the first round. But let's put three quarterbacks. First round in the first half of the first round, the first 16 picks – is group one. Group two is from the 17th pick to the end of the third round. So these are viable quarterbacks that are just lottery tickets, though. And then it's after the third round, mm-hmm. undrafted. So who do we have? We got Tom Brady in that list. We got Dak is you know borderline because he was the fourth round. Kirk Cousins, third round. 
Well, no, he would he be in the second. The he'd be in the, yeah, he'd be in the second group. Yeah, Russell okay. Wilson's in that group. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that's kind of a – and if we went to the fourth, I could have done that and say, well, we got Brady and who after the fourth round? Tony Romo, Kurt Warner, undrafted players. Yeah. And Cousins was a fourth-round pick. Oh, was oh, it was fourth, fourth round? round? I it was a third. But we just moved to fourth, so now we're no. But <laughs> but I guess what I'm saying is that that okay. So you said uh, Kurt Warner was obviously one of for that generation sure. was the shocker, and maybe listen, there's no doubt that Purdy could be that guy. I don't think he could ever get as good as Kurt Warner, but he could be as good as Cousins or even better than Cousins. Mm-hmm. I'm saying though, statistically, when someone surges like this, like Minshew. Now, he's done more than Minshew's ever done. But what would Minshew do in this? I mean, his, he, here's the thing with McKenzie that's challenging. You can't say cousin Kyle is a genius and then not say, and not that he's ever used those words, but he's a big fan of his cousin, which sure. why wouldn't you be considered the best play caller in the game? You know, it, is the idea that he's brilliant means he's going to make, put, perfume on a pig in a way sometimes they're going to look better than they are or you got to say no this guy would do it anywhere I don't and I'm not saying what his agenda is I'm saying it's one or the other and that's where the Sam Darnold thing gets interesting if he does do well are we gonna as a hater is gonna say oh it was just because of Kyle Shanahan I don't know I I think that Kyle requires a certain type of quarterback to do well and I think Brock Purdy's been the way you said Kyle was like do you text with him no oh okay good the way that coach Shanahan (laughs) uh, he he, like he's got to find a quarterback that fits what he wants to do and Mm -hmm. Purdy so far has proven to be very good at no doubt but if we look at all the guys that have surged that are late round picks how long do they usually last that's when are they debunked we can name two or three Tony Romo certainly met the criteria so we've had three in the last 30 years yeah We've had a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick up and down, but yeah, Yeah. that looked good for a while. No, yeah, Patrick was he couldn't keep a starting job. Yeah, that's what's interesting. You still had Ryan Patrick or Fitzpatrick, right? Like number eleven, I think. Like he was like (laughs) permanently in number fourteen. Yeah, but who would you rather if Fitzpatrick went in with Kyle Shanahan's offense and had a year when he was thirty? Is he is he who's better, Purdy or, or or Fitzpatrick? They'd be comparable. So he couldn't keep a job. So all I'm saying is— That was the weirdest thing. He seems so cool. He was also. from Harvard. He had a snooty attitude, maybe. No, though, he's though he's cool. He's on Amazon. Yeah, the Harvard guy. But he's on Amazon now, right? Yep. And he does well, Another doesn't he? Uh, he does well, yeah. Um, so I guess my point is we don't know what makes a good quarterback. We might think we do. We can identify what does what precludes a guy from being a, ba- a good quarterback— Lack of leadership, like, you know, her, yeah, quirkiness. But in general, I think we don't know. And you know what? I don't know what Purdy is because I don't know. The fact Kyle put so much faith in him makes me think he's got more than it seems. I don't know, though. You know, AJ brings up the good point about Debo being so important. And I wish I had, like, it's one of those things where I I saw it on the broadcast and I went to take a photo of it and it was gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But where they literally were saying, I, I think it was yards per pass play. So, like, like an on off with, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was like you're getting four yards of play without them and 7.2 with them type yeah. of thing. Like, you got to like be careful with numbers. those on offs just right. because the sample of both has to be a little bigger. But NBA runs in the same thing. What were you, you had to know? Oh, no. I was just... Oh. So, uh, here's the thing that's kind of befuddling. Cousins has always been a prototypical quarterback for the Shanahan system. He wanted him very badly after Washington and before Minnesota. 
I mean, that's been kind of verified, right, McKenzie? Yeah, yeah he said yeah. that as much. I wanted Cousins, and that's why I didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. Which makes you wonder, is, is, was he wrong, or is the whole kind of narrative wrong about Cousins? I think the whole narrative is wrong about Cousins myself. I, all I know is Cousins looks a lot better than he's looked in a long time. And like he fe- the- In what way, though? His stats aren't like better. I mean, his stats are in this in line. He, so he, in our ranking, you said he's eighth, McKenzie. Yes. Would you like if I'd said the over under on him would be what? Like, there's no way you would have thought he'd be eighth in the well, league. What was that, he right? last? What was he last year? I'll pull that up. We had him. We drafted him twelfth in our draft. Okay. So I guess what I'm saying is I think the narrative is anti Cousins because he does. You know what it's like? It's right. It's like Westbrook. With the triple double, there was a couple times he rebounded to him, like he would do something that padded his stat. And in the scheme of things, it's not even one decimal point. It's not even like a point, you know, uh, uh, a tenth of a point, but on a rebounding number. But it colors always numbers. Anybody who puts up big stats and doesn't win mm-hmm. is going to run into that, and that's coming for Justin Herbert. Like that's what people. It's our, people are already turning on Justin. Yeah, Herbert. that, that, like that ain't coming. That's, that's yeah, it's that, here. That's here. Like Justin Herbert now, people are like, yeah, the numbers look good, but like, what's he doing this for? What? Like, it, it's very Kirk Cousins. A lot of the questions that I asked. Yeah, you're right. Years ago. Yeah. Last year, Cousins was 18th in our list. Okay, and I guess just do QBR. But what was his QBR the year before? Because I mean, in general, last year was a little bit of a down year for him, and I, I I thought it was age. So the fact that he's playing better this year surprises me. But still, he was always in that. You know, up upper middle tier. Yeah. All right. So the Sam Darnold thing is going to be fascinating. So we were talking about what this line should be. So what do you give Debo? I mean, you can't give him more than a half a point, right? Oh, Debo's worth a point. I mean, the, oh come on, numbers. how could that be? Well, I mean, I, maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm flawed, but from seeing that stat and then immediately the Niners' offense isn't clicking. You know, after but he was goes it down. was it with Purdy, a quarterback? Yeah, or? yeah, it didn't matter. All right. So I mean, he's only missed like. How many? What did he miss? Like two games or one game? I think two. Who was the defense against in those games? I mean, I, or who Cleveland? was the defense? Yeah. So I don't know. You know, uh, what do we have? Uh, Twenty twenty one. Cousins was fifteenth in QBR. All right. So he, you know, he's up this year. Hmm. You know, I will say this is an outstanding spot New for the offense, Bengals. The I'm going to make the case that the bye week for the Bengals was worth more to a team than any team all year long because obviously you like to reset especially if you're struggling versus expectation, but a week for Burrow to be able to get healthier. I, I think that's true. Yeah, so that, I, I upgrade them a point. That's, that's the rest of my handicap. Like, the bye couldn't have come at a better time. I expect we'll get the healthiest Burrow we've seen all season. And you, ha- it, you, you have to be able to throw down the field against the 49ers. If you can't go down the field, you're, unless it's a rainstorm like it was with Cleveland, you're not going to beat the Niners. And they're just so banged up. Luana Rumo has an extra week to prepare. It just feels like the the right spot to back him. And Burrow, fourteen and two ATS as a dog of three or more in his career. Like he, these are the spots where he thrives. Okay, so let me ask you this: this this line surprises me. I was all ready to play Cincinnati, and I can't believe this line. To be honest, I mean, so the first question is, Fez, you're saying the the adjustment from um, or to Sam Darnold was one that you saw the market do it almost instantly. Tell us what those numbers were. Right, so the line's f- San Fran's five and a half. At this moment, okay. That, or at, at the time. At the time. So this happened at, at I believe it was 1230 today, mm-hmm. all right? And so, boom, across the odd screen, it says, oh, 
um, the quarterback is in uh, Purdy is in concussion protocol, yeah. and that pretty much is a death sentence in terms of playing so far. Well, this not year. a death sentence, but yeah, that makes it <laughs> unlikely. Okay, right. So off the board, the games all go mm-hmm. and boom, they come back up at three and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like like thirty so seconds later, two points later, a move, two points a move, and then boom, the betters take the three and a half, and it goes down to like three point one, and then it goes back to three point two five. So it was like the fastest move I've ever seen within like five minutes. It's like, yep, it went from five and a half to three and a quarter. Done. Let's move on with our lives, and that doesn't move again. Okay, so going from three and a half to three and a quarter is about ten cents, and what's the current number, Mackenzie? Uh, minus three, minus one twenty-five seems to be common. Three point two five. Well, no, that's more than that. Yeah, three, you're right, three point three three. Yeah, I mean, at twenty five is going to be is really the same as three and a half. Yeah. Oh, well, it's fifteen cents, I guess. So, okay, it's three four. All right, all right. So ten cents there, and then five and a half to five to four and a half to four to three and a half. So we got four ticks there, right? Mm-hmm. And not key numbers, not key at all, key. right? Nope. So is that twenty cents? Yeah, let's call it twenty. So I we're, like we're thinking of thirty cents a movement. Yes. Okay. And normally, a normal half point would be like seven half cents. So the market's saying he's worth two points. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, I accept right. that. Yeah. Okay. I, I want, I've got a question for you guys. If the number was, let's say, random team versus random team, five and a half, and we've got our our weighted quarterback grades mm-hmm, up here. Mm-hmm. If anybody where Purdy is or above were ruled out, mm-hmm. would would anybody not? Go more than two points? Yeah, almost everyone, I would say, yeah. I yeah, mean, Purdy's the least proven, for sure. Yeah, Geno Smith is right next to Purdy on our list. So, is Locke still there? Yep. Yeah, so I, I don't know how much, it, I mean, they'd move it, but I'm not sure it'd be much more. Mayfield is, not, see, that's what's interesting. We're at that outside of where, because the next ones, and this is tied for 10th, is Purdy, then Geno Smith. Trevor Lawrence would move a lot. Baker wouldn't a ton. Stroud would now, but you know Wilson wouldn't. Jimmy G. If you know they had Wilson D- would move a lot. I mean, how? No, especially not with the backup they have. They have a good back. They paid money for the yeah. the, the guy from the Patriots. Jared Stidham. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it would move at all. I mean, that's interesting, Fez. What would happen? Wilson gets sat, like a de- coaching decision a week before the game. Stidham maybe the, the, uh, maybe a point. Yeah, very minimal. Yeah, I think Garoppolo some, we know is a, a but but it's because the backups are so bad. Yeah. If Stidham exactly, if so Stidham Jimmy was there, G's like a minus two, but he doesn't have another minus two and a half to come in for. <laughs> yeah, him. Stidham. I'm not sure. You know, who do you have higher now, Jimmy G or Russell Wilson? So I've got G at minus one and a half, and it's going to be real close. Yeah, uh, I got Wilson minus one. Yeah, so and, uh, but I did. Uh, it's because I've upgraded Wilson a little bit from his bottom. Yeah, Derek Carr's now. It shows you how bad everyone's like. Oh, it's a new age of quarterbacks. I'm saying the opposite. We think there's some fugazis that show up and then they recede back. Right now, we've got what ten good quarterbacks, maybe. Yeah, and that counts. Jared Goff. Everybody's a point and a half worse than average. What's wild is Ac- across the board. They're a superstar. Or they're a point and a half worse than average. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, both having down years. And they're still in the top ten. Who so says Hurts is having a down year? Look at his touchdown wow. interception ratio. Like, That's he's, true. He's throwing a lot of picks. But but I would say good point. So what we do is we have the PFF grade that's fifty percent of this, and the ESPN QBR that's fifty percent. We blend it, and I mean here's the leaders. This is probably the least surprising list: Mahomes, Allen. This is in order: Tua, Lamar, Jared Goff. There's a surprise. He's that high. Hurts, Herbert, Cousins, Stafford. 
The only thing that surprises me, especially, and I think most, is Trevor Lawrence is at 13th. He's outside a couple lower. I'm surprised Josh Allen's as high as he is. Yeah, he's not. it's funny. He does plays that you can talk about easy and say, oh, that was a bad interception. But just play in and play out, he, he plays pretty they well. They murdered people weeks two, three, four. Yeah, yeah. So this is a fascinating season. But to me, Kyle came in and, and – oh, what – I got to admit, Mackenzie, it was funny when we had the debate last Wednesday about who was going to start for the Raiders. So, you know, we get out of here late after midnight. I woke up, you know, got a good night's sleep. You know, I can't get right to sleep. So I'm kind of jazzed up after the pod. So I didn't. I probably didn't fall asleep till 3, maybe. So about 1030, I, I wake up and I flip on the radio. And the first thing I hear is Raiders have confirmed oh. <laughs> that, Jimmy, that Jimmy G will not start this week. <laughs> Because I texted the thread, I was like, let me get out in front of this. Let me play some defense here. Uh, it was almost like by, it was like God said, all right, he's bat. The bet's official. All right. Let him know. <laughs> but um, the, the Trey Lance thing really was decided when they decided, to, you know, he wasn't going to be the second string unless something shocking happened. And, and obviously he did it. Kyle did it feeling good about – the quarterback not many people can feel good about, I think he probably knows, like him being in practice tells us more about Sam Darnold in this system than any of us could even hope to know. I I, I don't know if that downgrade is worth I, I got a feeling he's going to have a, more, a real good game this game. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. But you know what I hope happens? He has a monster game, and Purdy doesn't miss another snap. And just the whole offseason are saying, if Sam only had a chance, I mean, mm. they'll be like he's in jail or something. Oh, that would be funny, well, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be ironic because that's like what happened with Sam Darnold. Like every time his backup would play in the, in New York, it'd be like, we got to see more of Mike White. Right. How are we not playing Mike White? But I, what I'm saying is they're probably right. Yeah, they probably were. <laughs> I mean, but we'll see. We'll see. So what are you root, what are you rooting for, Mackenzie? Oh, it, it's, it's very conflicting. I'm rooting for the 49ers for sure. I don't want to go into the bye week losing three straight. But I did have the thought if they lose, well, I can say, I mean, come on. Brock Purdy's better than people think. Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. But what happens if he has a monster game and then it becomes a quarterback? The coach? nightmare scenario is they lose 41-40 and Sam Darnold is like a perfect quarterback rating. Ooh. That would be bad for everybody involved, especially me. How are you feeling right now about the division? I like the Seahawks. I've been bullish they, on the Seahawks more good. than most. They look good. I mean, I'm worried. Kind of when when people Cincinnati. say it's over, they I look at the odds. They it's a half-game lead. One of my super contest losers. Yeah, they should have won in Cincinnati. I'll tell you this right now. We're saying the market is pretty much what it was in the preseason, or, or when we started betting it. When we finished betting it. Well, After when we, we started it. and finished, yeah, right? no, yeah, because the Seahawks were six to one when we started betting, or five to one. Then they closed plus two thirty. Yeah, so it's yeah. not even close to the two thirty. Yeah. So, what has happened that would make you can't have downgraded the Seahawks? No, the Seahawks are exactly what we thought. No, they were. I think they're better than we. I mean, to me, they're better. A little bit better. Yeah. San Fran. Uh, what, this shows you the sequ- sequence of games matter so much because if these were the first two games for San Fran. Even if they did the exact same thing after, they would not be held in the same high esteem. But do you think San Francisco still exceeded expectations? Because remember, Fez was what running to bet to? under, under, under they on the Niners. They met expectations because their season win is 11 and a half, exactly what but it was some to of that, start the but year. But some of that is the maybe misperception. I mean, we, we bet on misperception, right? Sure. Put up their, put up their schedule. 
I just want to see this. And we, we, we're on this game, and then we can jump to Seattle if we want. Or I guess we're going. That's the next game anyway. Oh, perfect. We'll play right into it. Um, so why is he going so slow with this? He doesn't want to. He's like, no, you don't need to. See. It's like if someone comes in in a robe, it's like, let's see your bot. No. I always hope there's like some sort of half sentence in between. Because if, if there's a pause, he's way too slow. He's way too slow. <laughs> what, are we, what are you talking about? Just with everything. Just with everything. No, no, no. It's like that did seem like a curious pause since they la- lost the last two. So they beat the Steelers. They knew the plays because Canada's dumb. Okay. <laughs> they, they didn't cover against the Rams, who have proven not to be that good of a team. Okay. And that's the famous. It was 10 and they kicked and made it seven. Right? They kicked the butt of the Giants, who are, you know, at that point were as bad as any team in the league. And they didn't cover against the uh, Cardinals, who have also proven not to be very good. They, they covered. They won by 19. 19 point win. Huh? Oh, I thought for some reason it was 14. In my head, I always remember it fell 14. Okay, 19. I'm sorry. So they barely covered. I was like, man, I'm, that, that spread would have been crazy. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was 14. Okay. And then. Um, they had a dominating performance against the Cowboys. Do we really know how good the Cowboys are? Well, that's that's the game where we really started to question it. And now since then, loser against a, the backup of the Browns with a defense that gives up 39 against the Colts or whatever it was. And then they lose to the Vikings who were owing, what were they were they the last team to win a, or they were the second last team to win a game. Weird games. Oh, Jesus. How, what was weird? At the end of the first half, there was one play that was really weird against the Vikings. They, they, they were going into halftime. It was 10-7 Vikings. Uh-huh. And it was done. It was done deal. It was going to be 10-7. Yeah. There's like t- 10 seconds left, and the Vikings completed a pass over the middle, and somehow he broke a tackle and got a 65-yard well, touchdown. Kirk Cousins in prime time kicks butt. He threw, an inter- <laughs> he threw an interception. The guy dropped it, in the, and, and the wide receiver caught it see, and ran. See how it sounds? When each of you guys do this, I'm going to point it out to the other one. It, it, but wasn't there things at the end of the game that if it would if the Vikings would have got one more first, it was over. But then San Fran had a chance, or yeah, the Vikings were running out the clock and they they failed. So the San Fran got one last kick at the can, but it only had like a minute ten left. And, and what, did they score? No, they got the midfield and ran out of time. All right, so you know, here's what I know: they were favored by seven. And they didn't win the game. I had me and my clients at Vikings plus seven. Okay, and against the Browns, they were road favorites, and they got beat. So I mean, at some point, this team isn't Jesus Christ. I mean, he can make this team can make mistakes. I'm saying if they had lost these first two games like this, I think we'd be talking. The Dallas game colored everything. They should be according pre-flop. They should have just under five wins, and they have five wins. They basically met expectations Except, from win shares. All right. So if that's the case, and Seattle, I think it's hard to say they haven't exceeded expectations, but let's just say they met. Well, wouldn't the line for the division be the same now that it closed at? Yes. And it's like double. It's like literally five. You're getting five to one on Seattle that's, right yeah, now. Yeah, that's fascinating. So the you market, see? the marketplace is definitely throwing San Fran under the bus. No, yeah. it's the opposite. They're oh, loving oh, San oh, Fran. No, they're, they're, you're right. The, the market. I misspoke. Yeah, yeah. The market has become anchored to the week three yes. rating. Yes. 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 So I just proved team. that point, didn't yeah. I? But well, when you also yes. l- that does now, prove it. Let's look at both sides of it. Uh-huh. If you look at the Seahawks schedule. You, you, see, you see a lot of the same thing. No, we've they, seen a Seattle team that should have beat Cincinnati. Now, you could make the case the Lions game. See, I think it matters where you stop. It's, where do you stop the tape? There was a point before overtime Seattle had that baby locked up. What is Seattle's record right now? Four and two. 
They're four and two. Yeah. Yeah. And you say the Seahawks should have beat the Bengals. Well, Kevin Cole and pregame model had the 49ers the better team versus the Browns and versus the Vikings. Listen, let's. Well, yeah, because Kevin Cole still had. He has Buffalo one and and, and still somehow, I think, in San Fran two. So I don't think he does that. But there is a certain. If you look at things a certain way, it can favor one team or the other. Like if I had a model that said I like field goals. Because that means you're willing to take points. Well, teams that kick field goals would look better in it, right? So I don't know. I, I guess I don't. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I'm, I'm saying if if they if they should have lost one, let's say the Lions and the Bengals game, they should have split those. They did. Like whether and you can argue whether they got flipped oh, or that's not. Fine. Their other three wins are Panthers, Giants, and Cardinals. Well, here's well, their other three wins other than oh, other than the Lions. Yeah. Well, they're. I mean, I guess the point is, and what was their other loss? The Rams. Yeah. So, but see, now this is something you do. You'd say, well, geez, we know McVay has the that's Seattle true. locked up, so no, we true. can't even count that as a law. So it's like maybe we just look at this, the record. Right? Forget all the other stuff. Look at the record. And I'm saying Seattle felt, it feels like to me statistically they're better than I expected. And maybe, I got, you know, there's one stat I want to put out there. And maybe I'm just letting this one over affect me a little bit. But it's a stat the PFF puts out that we've talked about, which is, how often you get a first down in any series of downs. But they did an adjustment for strength of schedule. But they did one other thing I thought was interesting. They said how they showed you how often they made a first on first down, how often they made a first on second down, third down, and fourth down. By the way, who do you think has the most fourth or it's the highest percentage of their first downs on fourth down? Eagles. That's what I thought you'd say. No. No. no, the Dallas Cowboys have more. Really? Yeah. So if you actually look at it, I don't know why I thought you were going to say the Steelers. <laughs> I was going to be so mad that they converted that fourth down. The converted that fourth down at the end of the game. Scoreboard. What What do you think that somehow the Steelers there was something wrong with the way they won? Absolutely. Winning's always righteous. <laughs> um, and did the Bills lose for some wrong reason? Yes. What was that? Uh, they, they suck. They, no, they picked up the uh, they picked up the flag for illegal, illegal man, man downfield. Down it was clearly downfield. Why do you think they did that? Because they wanted the Patriots to win. Hmm. That's interesting. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like the Patriots have won many close games in the last no. two years. They said, well, enough's enough. we got to give them one. All right. So the theory is if you don't get to third down, you can never give up the ball. Because if you're getting a first on first and second, turnovers are the only way you're going to give up the ball. So I'm saying let's look at who has the most first downs after second down. So number one with a bullet is Miami. 62% of series of downs. When you say after second down, meaning they get it on first or second down. Exactly, yeah. When second down's over, there is no third down. You're going back to first or a touchdown. All right, so 62%. 54%, or I'm sorry, 57% is San Francisco. Really good offense. Let's give them credit. But San Francisco has the highest first down percentage of everyone. They're at 79% overall. So it makes sense they're going to be second or first mm-hmm. in this one. But then literally the next one is Seattle. Really? So, yeah. So they have 54%. Now, the Bills are at 53. The Eagles are at 49. I mean, you got 52 for Kansas City. So to me, when you have so few third downs, it means you got some margin of error if you do start having more third downs. And obviously they're not get, converting many of them because they'd be way up there in their middle of the, or they're like – you know, 10th or 11th in general on this, converting first downs generally. I, I love the, that stat that you brought in. You also brought in the strength of schedule, though, and you mentioned Miami and Seattle, mm-hmm. and it looks like they've played against 
Well, Seattle's pretty bad defenses so far, right? Yeah, I would agree. And and I think that makes sense. And 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 it's funny because Miami has played against um bad defenses and bad offenses, right? So it, it, it were each side of the ball probably is a little overrated, which is kind of hard to imagine considering the D hasn't looked too good. But Seattle has played against um Bad offenses. So let's look at this offense. But I would make the case that their defensive strength is, you know, they're getting close. You know, they're right. They're below average for sure. But I mean, they're like the fifth lowest in the league, right? If you're going from left to right. Um, let me see. Looking down. Well, yeah, but I mean, like the Bills are up like a half or one. I guess what I'm saying is there's a cluster. I mean, I look at this and I think, okay, this is a cluster, right? And I would say Seattle is further back when it comes to defensive strength of their opponent. See, I was just looking at defensive, so I was thinking of this as a cluster, like Seattle, Kansas City, Washington, Raiders. Yeah, and remember now, this chart is uh, adjusted for strength of schedule. Uh, But all that said, I I find the strength of schedule stuff fascinating. I would say of all the things that the market under accounts for, I'd say it's non-quarterback, non-big-name injuries is one of them. And I would make the case strength of schedule is another one. And I would say the third is turnovers when they're luck-based. The market doesn't really account for the luck as well as they should. Or I, I, I'm happy they don't. I, I agree with all of that. And I think I, I really like what you say about like early in the year. Like We really aren't sure about some teams. And strength of schedule, it's almost like, oh, we had a win against that team, but that's – that's not nearly as impressive and making adjustments to that strength of schedule, depending upon what teams actually are to start the year. And like maybe the Bengals beating the Bengals week one or two, like at the end of the year, the Bengals could win 10 games. And they're like, Oh, that's a really good win. Well, not really. Not when you beat them week two and Burrow couldn't move. I wonder if we should do before that. Like when we look back in hindsight, we take the whole season and accept it as the truth, but maybe we should have a prior on strength of schedule, just like we have a prior on anything else. Yeah. Right. And I guess it would be – EPA is just talking about what happens on the field. So, like, when we look at this strength of schedule from PFF, they're, they're saying what happened on the field. I think what would be more interesting is you get Fez's ratings split up in offense and defense and say that's going to be some of what happened on the field and some prior, and he's going to balance that based on how the season – or how far into the season we are. But wouldn't that be the better number? Yes. Because if you're betting off that number, that means we trust that number to be true. Exactly. Huh. And that prior is going to be aligned very strongly with the season win totals. Mm-hmm. All right. So we agree, though, in general. Well, I guess we don't agree. I don't like San Fran, but I, I think this line seems crazy. I mean, let me make this last case. Joe Burrow may be healthy, but we're not sure. Sure. And the defenses look like, you know, way below what we thought. But maybe because they had the extra week, those safeties are going to get mature. There seems to be some, but what would, what was the line in the preseason on this game? Two and a half? Oh no, it'd be right around Pickham. So you thought Cincy was ranked higher than San Fran? They were comparable. The San Fran was well. San Fran was supposed to win eleven and a half games, and Cincy was supposed to win eleven. Summer line was 49ers minus one. Okay. So what we're saying is, we know San Fran's been upgraded. I mean, where do you got the Bengals compared to where you had them? Uh, starting the season. Yeah, so the Bengals currently, they, they, you're right, they've been downgraded. I've got them plus one and a half and a two, uh, three, two and a half point downgrade from mm. beginning of the year. Okay. So maybe this does make – it's just I, I'm, when I, I still have in my bones three and a half is one team's a little better, mm-hmm. but it's just not anymore, right, because home field has gone down so much. 
Because mm. you get some crazy widespread matchups that it's only six. Yeah. Break sometimes, which back, you know. Yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts? No, sir. Next game. Cleveland at Seattle. Cleveland plus three and a half. This is an Andre the Giant handicap match. No, wait, hold on. One crossfire. Hold on a second. It's me on one side and you are on one side? Uh, Yep. And and Fez? Nope. Who is it? It is Mackenzie Rivers. Best bet. But Mackenzie, what are you on? The Seattle Seahawks. I'm on Seattle. That puts me on Cleveland. So the Andre the Giant... Is us two against you? Yes, I am the he, giant. No, he's the giant. Yeah, he fights. But you're not the ones. giant. The record this, on the pod this, this year. Is with Andre, the this is Andre. This is this is Andre and Big and Big John Stud whipping on Salvatore Baloma. Oh, I don't even know who Salvatore Baloma is. All right, well, I'll get more realistic. Ivan Putski. <laughs> okay. All right, you can start. Disco McKenzie. Inferno. <laughs> you can start, McKenna. We don't. I, I'll come in as necessary. So the Seattle Seahawks have the number one success rate against the run. The Cleveland Browns don't have a quarterback. And why I bring up success rate is because EPA, you can give up some big plays. The Browns are going to get plenty. But now, why would the Browns get big plays? I mean, they just do. They had a 70-yard touchdown against the Colts. They had a 60-yard run and touchdown but, against but the Steelers. But would you say from here on this season, where would you put the big play potential of the Browns? Specifically in the run game, I don't know. Not no, t- no, no, no. I'm saying no. Who said specifically in the run oh, game? I, that's what I was talking about. Well, you didn't even mention that. The number one success rate against the run. Against the run, but why? Okay, so you think with Chubb out, the Browns still are going to be like way high on on big plays running the ball? I mean, that's what they've relied on with PJ Walker or Deshaun Watson. That's how they've gotten most of their offense. They're 32nd in drop back EPA per play. Okay, and how much offense have they gotten? I guess they did against the Colts in some fluky game. I, all I'm saying here is they didn't get that much. Yeah, like it was a little 300 dis- yards. Yeah. yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, let's say it like it is. The Browns can't pass worth a lick. They can run some. And you know what? We're ready for that. Exactly. Yeah. So continue. I like the way you say that. <laughs> yes. Continue. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of the handicap. I have the Seattle Seahawks 3.8 points better than an average team using our five metric weighting. Browns are at two. So the number's about right at 3.6, 3.7. But, but, but here's the thing. The Browns have their starting quarterback in a lot of those games. So how much do we doubt? Exactly. So if anything, the Browns are worse than the, their overall, overall year-to-day metrics would say. So the three and a half becomes four, becomes four and a half. And I like the matchup. So here's the thing. McKenzie is a champion NBA handicapper. And I think maybe what we got to do is take advantage of him pre-NBA. Because I, I got a feeling you've been watching some games, right? Oh, yeah. What do you think about Golden State? I think they're in trouble. You think? Because it doesn't look like Chris Paul's integrating too well. Not not too well, no. I, I think they're, he's going to come off the bench within a month. It doesn't make sense to have two small guys like that starting unless one of them's, unless both of them are scoring and they're not. What do you think about Milwaukee? This was something a lot of people didn't see. Like, A.J. might have missed this. That uh, there was a coach that was with Dame for years in Portland. Now, did he come over with the trade, or he was over in Milwaukee anyway? I, he wasn't working in the NBA last year, Stotts. I think he signed right after Lillard signed. Okay, so it was like his valet, his like personal coach, and he ended up. But he was going to be the. But he, this is an. What, is it Porter's his last name? He's like considered an elite back or assistant coach. It wasn't like you know, some. It wasn't like a flunky. He ended up resigning like five days before the season starts. So there was a new head coach. You bring in Dame's guy, and somehow this guy flees the scene. 
looks like some disrupt. I mean, if this was like a soap opera, mm. we'd be like, uh, Mr. Smith was with Dame Lillard for 28 years, and then he shows up in Milwaukee, and he sleeks out in the middle of the night. Mm. Next, uh, I mean, that, I think that's noteworthy that there's some potential uh, combustibility with this Milwaukee. How so? Well, when you look, when you bring in a guy. And he leaves before he coaches a game. Like Russell Wilson had his six-person posse that apparently everyone knew about on the Denver campus, and it was not exactly but do you with think, the rest of the team. But I if, get that. if one of the guys, though, was an offensive coordinator, yes. <laughs> yeah, even more so then. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you agree with me or not? Because it seems like you were being sarcastic. I, th- I think Dame, at this point of his career, is, gonna, is, is fine taking a second – Taking a backseat, being a team guy. I don't see him being an ego oh, guy. Oh, that's interesting. So you think he won't shoot as much? Yes, I like him under 27 and a half in Thursday night's game. All right. Sharp money pounding Milwaukee under 54 and a half down to 54 and 53 and a half. So now, when did that happen? Was that last before? three days? Okay, really? So yeah. what we're saying Late is morning. what I identified as a problem seems like was a signal for those guys. Now, you had something you gave me last Friday. I didn't bet it, but you had LeBron... It was something pessimistic. Was it per game? Un- average scoring per game from memory under 27.2. Well, I got to be honest with game. you. That's a, the sharpest thing you ever gave me because he only played 29 minutes in the first game, and they said this is about normal for him this His year. His over-under was 23 and a half. That's a great bet. 27.2 under? Yeah, I'll take that. That's why I texted it to you. But yeah. where was it at? On the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, DraftKings. But So it was DraftKings? Yeah. But And you're saying... Mackenzie, other outs, it was four points different. No, the game one, the yeah. game one. Oh, I thought line, you, oh. which could have had different. It could have had different circumstances as far as minutes. But, I don't know if they. But what's more telling? I mean, his career average twenty seven or what he was expected to score in game one is probably what he's yeah, going to score. Both of four. those are good. Yeah, both of those. Well, uh, if the minutes are the same, but what's both, interesting is his career average is around like just twenty seven. But in the last few years, he actually was higher, mm-hmm. which was shocking to me. Plus, when there's I been at it. there was a lot of jibber jabber between Denver and Lakers. They, that it was a it was a real revenge kind of thing because Denver feels like LeBron tried to uh, co-opt well not even co-opt but but steal the limelight because remember they swept Denver and LeBron says that night maybe I'm going to retire mm. so it becomes all the talk instead of crowning Denver as the champions of the West and there was some real resentment over that did you pick up on that McKenzie uh, yeah okay you sure yeah listen if you need any NBA help just text me all right Always, yeah. <laughs> All right. Denver laying five, comfortable win, double digits uh, opening night. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, again, your NBA selective but strong. 1-0. Oh. That, that's as strong as you can get if you play one game. I'm 2-0. Oh. I don't. 2-0 oh in the NBA? Yeah. Mackenzie, you're rubbing off on people. I'm not betting AJ's for a while. I'm going to let, let, let some stats settle. How, you had two games? Yeah. Actually, I had three games. How many? You ready for college basketball? Yeah. Austin P. Thumbs, what's their over? Okay. What are the 330 or so? Uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. What conference are they in? Austin P is in the Atlantic Sun. Excellent. How many returning seniors? It used to be the OVC, but not anymore. Okay. Whew, thank God I don't like that. Um, I'm going to continue with our handicap on this game, or my handicap. I think there's a lot of places Seattle looks good, and we did talk about their offense but let's look at their defense because their defense last year was what twenty fifth maybe. So what does uh, DVOA have for Seattle's D? Because I'm looking right now, they are one point below average on the series uh, adjust series of downs. Sixteenth. Okay. 
Wow, they were they were 16th last or oh, this year. This, this year, year, okay, okay, that's yeah, right. They got good YPP. They're plus point eight. Is that so? Typically, that would mean, oh, okay. You're saying offense and defense. And you were asking, were you like asking defense? Yeah, yeah. They're 16th defense, ninth overall. Okay, so and where's oh, see Cleveland's so hard? I mean, Cleveland's 11th overall. They're one in defense, 29 in offense. <laughs> What do you think? We know everyone said this is weird the way Watson's cleared to play. This is weeks ago, and he's not playing. And then, you know, I heard, I heard someone, Randy Mueller, the former GM who does a pod now on, on The Athletic, he's very soft-spoken, nice, nice guy, you know, it appears. And he says, listen, I watched the tape. He was throwing. He had a pinge, and you just can't throw. If your arm hurts, you can't trust it. It made sense he didn't play. So it kind of stoked things down a little bit. But then he goes in the tent on his own against the Colts. Now, listen, you think you got a concussion? Maybe you go in the tent. Is Brady going in the tent? No, probably not. But is that right or wrong? I don't know. I mean, I see I see both sides because the NFL is making rules for PR purposes. Independent neurologist has to okay you. And yeah. that sounds good. But what I'm saying is I don't think there's a 100% correlation between what the NFL is demanding and your welfare. So if you feel like that your welfare is not at stake, I could see a competitor trying to, you know, say, I'm, like, in Rocky, how many fingers do I have up, right? There's a famous thing where there's boxers that they have the, the trainer behind them. So when they say how many fingers, they'll tap them on, you know, like three times real quick behind them and they'll say three, you know. Now, is, was that good or is that bad? We, we got to let history decide. The UFC this weekend, this mm-hmm. last weekend, uh-huh. there was a fight stopped because a guy took an illegal foul and he was ready to go, ready to fight. The doctor came in. This is a Brazilian guy. They were in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And they asked him, what country are you in? And he didn't want to say it wrong. So he said. Oh, my God. Really? He said, I'm in the desert. I'm ready to go. Oh, and, my gosh. And the doctor waved the fight off. They stopped the fight. Oh my gosh! That you could write a whole book about. And that. he was like, "I didn't know how to say what country Abu I was in. I didn't Dhabi. want to say the wrong." No, thing. I don't know either. That's what I'm saying. Uh, he, he like he didn't know if he could say because it's like United Arab Emirates. He wasn't going to try to say that. He just knew he was in Abu Dhabi, in the desert. But and, he but, and he didn't know quite how to pronounce. Right. And the doctor said, "That's enough. It's over." But that never stopped me from on national radio. I, you just went with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that is? That's a culturally biased standardized test. I agree. Well, is it cultural to know where you are? Yeah. If, if you go to a, a random city in Kazakhstan, you're not going to know how to pronounce it because you're not part of that culture. It does not familiar to you. See, McKinley no. just messed up because it's Kazakhstan. Exactly. See, but, but I think you're making an interesting point if it wasn't something an average or someone. I think most people who go – now, the, the pronunciation is different because I don't think I can pronounce it 100%. It's Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. I got lucky there. But, I mean, I, I will miss that every third time easy. Not if you actually fly there on an airplane and they're know. like, welcome to Abu Dhabi. You're here at Abu Dhabi where the temperature is 88 degrees. But also Abu Dhabi's not the country. What kind of – that's what, what he was asked. What kind of imitation – well, what's the – oh. UAB. The United Arab Emirates is the name of well, the country. Well, Jesus Christ, it shouldn't be like an IQ test. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> if, this guy, he said, if he would have said Abu Dhabi, I think he would have been fine. He said, what country are you in? You know what's funny? He could have said, Abu Dhabi, whatever, I'm ready to go. And they, they would have let him go. Yes. I, I, which, again, thinking at the time, it's hard because you because you know the whole national, the whole audience is looking at, you know. So, wow, that is wild. Because you're right. Okay. 
describe the ethnicity of the fighter. He's Brazilian. He's so even that makes it. it There's a language barrier. Oh my God, that seems unfair. And that's why he said he. I didn't want. He said, and he speaks English. It's clearly his second language. Yeah, though. which I, I mean, can't. I mean, we got to understand. Unless you speak a second language, you don't know how hard it is. Yeah. And he said, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. I knew Abu Dhabi. I knew the desert, so I said that. But if you know Abu Dhabi and the desert, you don't say the desert. The desert sounds like you have no idea. Like you've got rolled in the sand the night. But I wonder what the boy. That's interesting. Wouldn't they, it'd be better to say something like with seven times, well, I guess that could be biased to some degree. What year is it would have been an excellent question. But that seems like it's too easy. Plus, if you go past the international, the what happens if it was New Year's Eve? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you went, what, what round are you in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. What's your record? Yeah, probably know that. <laughs> All right, that's fascinating, yeah. though. It really is, because it is Ethnic in a way, it's what language you're speaking. Like they should have asked him what Brazilian is there a Brazil language or is it Spanish? Portuguese. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, it's all good. Tuboku, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you go to Brazil or something? Yeah, and I learned that expression and very little, very little else. Tudobem, everybody. So we can see why you didn't get your career started until you were 32 <laughs> or whatever. I mean, I'm going to go hang out in Brazil. Did you? Here's the question: Did you? <clears throat> did you have relations with any Brazilian ladies that you didn't pay? Yes. Really? Nice. Yes. I think it's a dirty story that that would make you well, not want to have sex for a week. It was one in particular, and she probably thought money was coming at some point down the road. Oh, so you stiffed? You stiffed like a no. working class pro. We no, just she went. Thought she was we, coming home with McKinsey. We went in separate married. directions. Yeah, we never. We ne- I never got her to come up. To come, uh, come up he to probably said at me. one point she played it on the come, but you know who can't. Oh wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> just off the cuff. Let's be honest. <sighs> Even Spezik is smiling, or is he asleep? All right, next game. Well, right? I got to get my side. What side of what? Oh, oh there's no, there's oh, no. Okay. Car- no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, listen, I, we're all, we're talking about the the Cleveland offense, which is not good. But but, but you know, I'm sorry. What's going on with the quarterback? I guess that's where we get off. I, it's a it's a good question. I don't know. And the, the idea that they they so Watson. how can you bet him? Well, not, I know Watson's not. I'm assuming Watson's not playing. But like don't it, you don't think it's affecting the rest of the team? You know I, what? I, they're winning games. Wow. They beat the 49ers. They beat the Colts. They're they're happy. But but 49ers was before what happened last week. He went into the tent. They cleared him, and he said, I don't think I can go back in. Like, he chose not. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Now I think about it. It was the head coach. Stefanski said he doesn't. Uh, you're one for, fi- you're one for five, and uh, P.J. Walker just threw another nice long pass. Yeah. Why don't you get comfortable? So now, so he said his quarterback, his quarterback who next year's cap hit is $63 million. Yeah. The year after is $63 million, and it's $63 million. They have like fully guaranteed 190 million in the next three years on the cap and guaranteed, and PJ Walker, Texas Ranger, is being chosen to start over you when the whole week's prep was with him. Yes, not the Texas Ranger. Yes, and you're saying no problem. Let's barrel ahead batting. I'm not worried about next year's cap or the year after's cap. You know, I think they did. I mean, the, the whole week's prep was not just Watson because they they split time because we didn't know if Watson could play. So that's yeah. okay. But w- what I'm saying is, if you look at the quarterback list, if J- if if Sam Darnold, oh no, not Sam Darnold, if Baker Mayfield was in that spot, they would have put Baker Mayfield back. Oh, clearly. So we're saying the Browns can cons- and, and let the be- Browns consider 
Right mm. now, Watson be worse than Baker effing Mayfield. Or worse than Mike Walker, Texas Ranger. That ain't good. PJ. But PJ that, Walker, but Texas But that's, that's who you're on. Boy, your Chubb's going to have a big – oh. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Make but you know what? The Browns are like Iowa football. They don't need offense to win football games. And we get Geno Smith against a man-heavy defensive scheme. And Geno's yards per attempt – Drop five yards per attempt against man coverage. They have the low. Did I pay for your PFF account? Yes. I think I think I'm getting good value out good. of that. <laughs> they have the <laughs> lowest yards per attempt against man coverage of any team in the league. They are how third. How many snaps have they? Zone. How many snaps have they gone against man coverage? It's it's uh, probably like 60-40 zone. Oh, it's more than 60-40. Well, maybe it isn't because they're. How did Geno do against man and zone last year? Mackenzie, look that up. Okay. The, the the Seattle Seattle's uh, offensive line is a disaster right now. They haven't been pass blocking well. We know the Browns what do you mean are going to disaster. Like what? Like give me numbers. I, I'm going to. Well, I can no- pull up their PFF. Well, grades. Don't act, No, I don't want PFF grades. I want to have a grade of the line. How's the line doing? Now PFF has a, a, a ranking of lines. Yes. So what do they have? I I don't have well, it up. Pull in front. it up. Okay. Because what I'm saying is you're not going to tell. Because I would make the case, and I was just perusing. ESPN came out with their new quick win. You know they put these out every week now, and Seattle has someone that's like number three on the pass block. I'm like, this isn't one of their better guys. This it was a real good sign. So, by the way, Seattle did win twenty to ten last week. It looks like they got lucky because they're only up by seven late in the game, and, mm-hmm. they, and they had ball midfield. Somehow they got a field goal, but they're 0-3 in turnovers. So, like yeah, to win to in, cover a, a, a uh, what was the line last week? Eight, seven and a half. Yeah, but they really won by sixteen. Yeah, to cover that minus three in turnovers is a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, Seattle twenty third uh, offensive line pass blocking. Okay, and what about oh so why so we're focused uh, and what about run blocking? Uh, run blocking. That's why they didn't get in the end zone against the Bengals in the red zone. They, the the Bengals pass rush tripped them up both times. Eleventh run blocking. All right, and then correct me if I'm wrong. One of those tackles has been back, right? But one of them still hasn't come back. Right. So I guess long term, you got to feel pretty good that if you're, let's blend the two and say, you know, what would that be? Right around seventeenth or whatever, sixteenth or seventeenth. I think that'd be pretty good to have an average. I mean, most lines, if they lose their two best linemen for, let's say, half the season and, or, let's say, a quarter of the season and one for half a season of the two, you got to think that's pretty good, right? And I think you're looking at the long term because you have well, the Seattle investment for the long term. But I'm saying they're an average line. But I'm talking like. about today against the Cleveland yeah, Browns, yeah. who are, I mean, this, they're a top five pressure team. And Geno, 78% completion rate in a clean pocket. 52% when he's under pressure. Well, everyone's worse under pressure. So. But his is a massive gap. Mm-hmm. So, I, so give me – can you rank the quarterbacks under pressure? Sure. Yeah, because I, I let's get some ideas on this. All right, so McKenzie's writing something. By the way, we talk about different moves. Power move on Seattle, from not just from minus three. Now, normally when a team goes – a line goes from three – to three and a half, it becomes kind of a weak three and a half. Where mm-hmm. like, you know, there'll still be some plus three and a half lays a dollar twenty or minus three lay dollar twenty eight. But in this case, not just a three and a half, but even some minus three and a half lay fifteen. So real power move on on Seattle today. Okay. Gino twentieth in uh, under pressure. So so bad. What is he? What is he overall? In a well, I guess we have that in the kept, other. Kept clean. Gino is sixth. No, no, I, I'm okay. But what I'm saying is, twentieth is. I mean, most people would say Gino's not much better than twenty anyway, right? I mean, maybe they say he's twelfth or fourteenth. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if your handicap, I love that you're digging deep. But if the handicap is 
The Browns give a good bit of pressure. They're top five in giving, creating pressure. And Geno's only 20th under pressure. I don't, I don't know if that sways me when P.J. Texas Rangers, the quarterback in, on the other side. Well, the thing is, the Browns have been without Watson now for most of the season at this point, or at least half the season now at this point. And their two losses are a game uh, they lost by four to Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh scored two, off, oh, or two defensive touchdowns. Yeah, but that was with Watson, right? Yeah. Okay. And the Ravens game, which was not a P.J. Walker start. That was the DTR start. Mm-hmm. And they realized this is his first and last start right now. So... I, again, I'm not hopeful that the Browns get a lot on offense. I think. What would this line be if if Watson was quarterbacking? Four and a half, probably. Or she, she, no, the I other way. Wrong the way. Other two, way. A, two and a half, probably. Okay. What do you think? I think two and a half. I think that's accurate. Okay. This version of Watson, I think, because, like, because, because the perception is with Watson, I think we're almost equal teams. I think just maybe Seattle by a smidgen better. I think with Watson, if if Watson's playing like we would expect, like a reasonable, yeah, yeah. Because I think now what we're seeing is Watson's pretty much what he was last year. Yeah. So at what point are we going to think there's some magical new Watson that's mm. coming? Yeah. If if Watson was what he was his last year in Houston, oh, yeah. Cleveland's a better team, and it's not even close. You know, but, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is the idea that Watson, even I mean, what is he twenty twenty fourth maybe now, right? Meaning how he was Watson last year and this year. PJ Texas Rangers not twenty fourth, right? He's like fortieth or fiftieth or whatever. He was third string. He was fourth string because you 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 got the guy from Arizona that Josh was Dobbs. yeah. Josh Jobs was yeah. ahead of him, and if Josh Jobs was there, he'd be starting so fast your head would spin over. Walk, and you know the fact that they saw the US UCLA guy in practice. And they started him against the Ravens tells you how little faith they have. I mean, that's a good point. The DTR, I know he had a great preseason, but, I mean, they're clearly not ready. And they argued the same thing about the Raiders, that they're like doing with O'Connell, mm-hmm. being Hoyer can't, can't get it done also. I mean, it's telling that they're choosing, you know, um, you know, one quarterback over another when the other quarterback can't play a lick, and surely they could see it in practice. And this line move really was driven by – the, the increased certainty that we weren't going to see Watson, I right? think so, yeah. So, because, I mean, it came out right around practice. It seems like it would have been coordinated. I with think the, it was like a – it felt like a 50-50 situation where Seattle was laying three and it was either going to go two and a half or three and a half, mm-hmm. depending on Watson. And that was it. You know, that was yeah. going to be the impact. So, I guess to me, Seattle was a little better than I think their record, and we've talked about that. But then I would make the case that Cleveland's got to be wondering, can we, do they think there's any chance they can win a Super Bowl? Like right now, as excited as it seems like they should be – their defense did just give up almost 40 to the backup quarterback. Well, and their backup they, quarterback, Minshew, like we talk about man versus zone splits, Minshew and Stott, yeah, you can. Why Why are you uh, so Cleveland thinks they that. can definitely. You're going to read my face. I didn't say a word. You the, you, you made a smirk and you the dropped Browns your face. Players, I didn't smirk. I frowned. The Browns players <laughs> definitely feel they can win the Super Bowl. They just beat the Niners, and they beat the, who was the best team in the NFL. So they, you and I know they can't win, but they, they don't know that. I think they generally know you can't win with a backup quarterback, and Watson's a backup quarterback getting paid sixty six. They probably but figured the, it out that him, him hanging out by the medical tent, smoking cigarettes during the game. He probably, was smoking cigarettes. No, I just oh. <laughs> that seemed like a good story. I, I guess what I'm saying is I think things like man to man and all that affect things like a smidge. I disagree completely. All right, well then then every handicap that doesn't have that as part of it you saying is really flawed because if it's like not knowing who the home like home field advantage is is now worth 3 points from let's say from place to place yeah flip it all right so if i handicapped the game and didn't know who was home or away 
you would think that was crazy, yes. right? But how much are you saying this Most is Most teams play a blend of man and zone. Exactly. The Browns don't. Okay. So you think with the Brown, so what's what's the Browns rate of man to man? This is like 85, 90%. I mean, do, can you again? Read that? I'll pull it up, but yeah, it's it's in the it's well, in just, the high eighties. We can you can take a break from talking when you get the data and and um, all right. So Geno Smith in twenty twenty two had the sixth best passer rating versus man, and the eighth best against zone. Okay, so you're saying based on a bigger sample size, in this year it's it's more so. Or did we look at Geno under pressure? So why didn't we look at him against man this year? Was it good? And you don't want to say it? No. What was it this year, Mackenzie? No, that's we looked it up because AJ said that he hadn't been good against man. And no, you're like, it, but last what's year? funny is he never gave a stat though. He he then talked about being under pressure. Remember? Yeah, I remember that. So what's the man to man this year versus? I'll get that. Yeah, this could be a small sample size thing, Fez. Well, the fact it was equal and or he's even better against man. Yeah, it means I'm basically yeah, you know I I can always go back to small sample size, you know. What's your thoughts on this whole how important it is man-to-man versus zone? Because I, I think in general, if, if you are looking at all these little niches, as long as you understand sample size, there's a lot of value in it. If you can show me that Geno Smith, since he's been a starter, is way worse against mm-hmm. a team that, that always plays that, well, then then, then, then it's valid. But if you're going to cherry-pick this one, one year, six games, well, I, don't, yeah. I don't care. But it wouldn't be cherry-picked if it's this year. But, you know, you're it's looking still, at I mean, cherry-pick means you're going back and plucking it. So I'm still I'm still gonna like like wait I'll wait this game this year's games more than last year mm-hmm. but I'm still gonna like if I if I've got 15 games from last year and six games from this year last year's still more yeah I agree with that I agree with that so what did you figure out AJ uh this year his passer rating is exactly the same as it was last year versus man 103 and he's actually been bad against zone in 86 he's 27th versus zone right. just Maybe passer rating which is wrong. simple all right, so what we're saying is Geno Smith is better against man-to-man. Last two years, yes. But he's not better against pressure because no one is. But, but his yards per attempt dropped five yards per attempt against man coverage. So he's That's a yak. fact. Yeah. Okay. But, so, but I thought PFF's grades are what matters. Stats don't matter now? Well, I think in theory. Well, that's the debate, right? I can't imagine how he could drop five yards per attempt and not well, have he like must the have had a. Sleep. Remember, it's a small sample. He, he might have a 13 yards against a certain. So what are the numbers this 85% year? 85% for Browns. Or eight, and who's do you, do you have a rank of the other? Because I know New England used to play a lot. I'm just trying to get a perspective. But they said, I tell you, Browns must be the number one. They're number one, yeah, okay. by over 5%. All right. So anyway... So what was the we'll finish this conversation with this? What was the yards per attempt split this year? Five five yard drop per attempt yeah. against man coverage. So what was he against man and what is he against zone? Uh, again, I'll have to pull up those exact numbers, but the they've got the lowest yards per attempt in the league, uh, per attempt in the league against man, and they're third in the league against zone in yards per attempt. See, that's interesting because yeah, so yeah, if you can pull it up because it it seems like that with the rating or with the uh, PFF grades it would. Like you said, Fez, it would correspond yeah, with that. It doesn't more. seem like possible that it could be that disparate. All right. So why don't we do this? We'll have a little, we can uh, let uh, AJ not be rushed and look this up. I'm pretty much done. I mean, to me, this is really about, I think Seattle is a little bit better than the market, but I think there's a disruption in Cleveland that who knows they're going on the road. Who knows what? And Seattle is a long trip. I don't have any idea what the team mentality is. I agree, I agree with that as someone also on the Seahawks. I also think last week it looked like the Cleveland Browns were okay because they won, but all the models, all the metrics said the Colts should have beat them, and the Colts aren't very good. Yeah. I agree with that. 
right, so what's our next game? And then we can jump back to at least get the stats uh, right. Atlanta at Tennessee. And this is Fezzik's four weight, and the Hitman has a play on this as well. All right. Yeah, so I am on Atlanta minus the two and a half. I make this game three, but the more I'm thinking about this, you know, Tennessee, I want to get in front of this. They are playing for the future, and so the fact that they're going to play Levis, but they're also going to play Willis, and they're going to see what they got in terms of quarterback evaluation. I refuse to believe that Levis is ready to go, and I know Willis is not a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I like what I saw from Atlanta last week. They won a game despite screwing up like crazy with fumbles in the red zone, and they still got it done. I think Atlanta's a little undervalued, and Tennessee, let's get in front of it. Let's start fading Tennessee now, a team that's clearly just building for the future. So we play Tennessee under win total after, I think, week one. Under seven and a half. How do you think that's looking now? Uh, it's good now. It should be about seven right now, and I, I, to be honest, I'd play under seven right now on their number. And I think our, it looks great. Our theory was, at the time, that we think the point comes where they start going to the backup quarterbacks, and we didn't like either of them. This is an injury, but, I mean, it feels like this. Could, if they lose a couple games here now, what are they fighting for? And Jags have been winning a lot, so we might be looking all right on that. I, oh, I think it's. I think we're going to win 65% of the time. I, I love the bet. All right, so let me ask you this. What would the line be with a healthy Tannehill? Because, to me... I guess, yeah, let's just start there. Yeah, yeah. So I had, Ed, I've got, uh, sorry, i got to do my numbers. Yeah, go, do you have yours? Yeah, 8.4 8. to 3.6. So 4.8 yards. So they're only getting 3.6 yards per attempt against man-to-man, but they have, but he has a higher rating against it. Yeah. That's wild. Well, it does go to show you in general what the, what PFF does is say, we're going to grade the quarterback alone and what the stats say is how's the quarterback with the line blocking and with the receivers catching. So maybe that's interesting. Maybe against with things like this, the stats are more important because it really – but the question is, does man-to-man change what the linemen are doing? That, see, that's why football is so complicated. I'm curious what – like you, you asked me this question a lot. What, what do you think the line should be in that game? <sighs> I mean, see, the only thing that causes me pause is because I do think I've got to calibrate down a little bit because of the home field just in my mind. I got it figured out when the, it's an even game, but how many increments in my mind is it that when a team's favored by three? Because back then, I can easily say, well, it used to be even. Now it's they've got to be better than them. But how much better? And then what's three and a half? I got to find a way to understand that better. Yeah, I'm kind of short circuiting in the same way because I have these. If Tannehill was playing, I'd have these two teams dead equal. Okay. Okay. All right. But I've got a four point downgrade for the bad quarterbacks for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I've got Atlanta four points better. And so, I'll, what was Atlanta before the season start and win total versus Tennessee? Tennessee was the. I know Atlanta was like right around like nine point right? three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and t- I think Tennessee was seven point four. Yeah. So how would they? How would you? So think how the hell? So, so, yeah. so, so when you think about this, so, so ten, that's a. I love this analysis. <laughs> so if now Atlanta did have a cupcake strength of schedule, but so did Tennessee. So they both have easy. Mm-hmm. So if I got a team that's supposed to win two more games, mm-hmm. and they're on the road, they're supposed to be laying three. Mm-hmm. Well, Atlanta is playing a little better than expectation. Tennessee has just, you know, the bottom well, has just fallen out. Not to the mention quarterback. the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that would say it's not like seven. I forget my handicap. Do your handicap <laughs> and the line six. Yeah, six. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's important to note that the 
Tennessee just traded their best defensive player exactly. to the Eagles for nothing. Who, who'd they trade? Kevin Byard, all, two-time All-Pro well, safety. Well, that, Sim, that Simmons is uh, – their lineman's the best player. Right? But, no, that doesn't change this guy's one of the top cut. Okay, okay. yeah, two-time All-Pro safety. Cle- clear message we're selling. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, they, I don't think they've got any so, – And I know I, I know this line's going to not just three. I think it's it's going to go to 3.2. And if I can get in front of it and lay two and a half, absolutely, every now, time. Now, so I'm a little confused about something. They traded him for nothing? They traded him for Terrell Edmonds and a sixth, fifth and sixth round pick. Wow, that's not a lot. So I'm assuming this was his contract year? Yep. Okay, so really what they're saying is we're not getting much back, but we don't have to pay like a little more than half the contract. So go ahead. I'd be yeah. curious to see what the hitman says on this and because I haven't gotten his information. Well, you know something? Luckily, we have a pick <laughs> from the hitman, the translucent one. Let's listen. Best bet, Falcons minus two and a half. The Titans might not be tanking on the field, but organizationally they are. Titans traded their second best defensive player, Kevin Byard, and they're also going to their third string rookie quarterback, Will Levis, over Malik Willis, which is another sign of a rebuild this week. Speaking of Will Levis, he had a 46 PFF grade in his preseason, two turnover-worthy plays in 19 snaps, and took four sacks. He was beat out by Willis, but they're starting Levis just to see what he has The Titans have the league-worst O-line. The Falcons' run defense is good to stop Derrick Henry. And DeAndre Hopkins, their only real weapon in the passing game, is going to be covered by A.J. Terrell. There's just not many paths to what I think could be the worst offense in the NFL. The Titans' defense has regressed as well as they've allowed a score on 45% of their drives this year. Desmond Ritter has been playing a lot better recently as well. Let's fade this low-on-talent Titans team that has lost 11 of their last 13 games. Best bet, Falcons, minus two and a half. Vrabel voodoo. (laughs) Well, I like what Hitman says about, hey, they're starting Levis. They say they're going to play both quarterbacks. But by all accounts, Willis right now gives them the better chance to win. Ooh, that's hard to believe. I mean, I think you're right, but that's telling you how bad. But 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 they don't want to win. They don't care if they win. They're going to play Levis at, at, well, to Well, Vrabel cares about See, Yeah, let, and the players sl- care. Yeah, yeah, let's not slip into the old tank. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. But the organization knows Willis is not the future, and remember, they want to see. Remember, the head coach is choosing who's the quarterback. Yeah. Right? And no, Vrabel's not being told, you know, we're not trying here. Then why are they starting Levis? Because they because they want to find, they know they don't have anything <laughs> with Will. I mean, he's not an NFL quarterback. Yeah, so they want they want to scratch they, their lottery their lottery ticket. Exactly. They yeah. want to see what they have because if they do poorly, they might they they will take a quarterback. But if somehow Levis he was taking the second round, he might be good. So they want to find out. I, I remember think. there were people who thought he was gonna be the first overall pick at well, one point. I, I mean, himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was on Reddit. What the hell? <laughs> All right. So the more I think about this, so so in the contest it was two and a half. And right now, what's the market? I believe it's two point nine. All right, so it's, it's chugging up a little bit. And you're saying you like it now even there. Yes. All right. All right, good pick. Good pick. Now, was everyone on the same pick here? Uh, who was all? Just you? Just me. Just Fez. Just Fez. Okay. Well, no wonder you like I mean, AJ's been talking so much, I thought, you, Fez, it was his pick somehow that you were commenting on. No. All right, so. Hijacking the show, AJ. I, no. I don't agree. I don't disagree at all. But I, I didn't catch that safety trade. That, to me, is huge because mm. it's a signal to the locker room. Just like when you don't put in your $66 million quarterback. Yeah. That, that's another signal, yeah. but you didn't catch that one as much. All right, who's next? Uh, Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. Jacksonville minus two and a half. This is Max four-weight. And, RJ, you have a derivative on this one. All right. 
Make it quick, Mackenzie. I kind of like your derivative. <laughs> I, it it, it kind of swayed me as far as what I want to bet on this game, but I like the Jacksonville minus two and a half. And it's another one of those games where just the simple power ratings make it, I mean, our five metric average make it Jacksonville minus three and a half. So already I'm feeling pretty good. Additionally, I feel like Jacksonville has 10 days off and people every week have been saying they should lose this game because they came back from London. They should lose this game because of this. They finally actually have a decent spot where they're rested. I feel like they're better than a lot of people think. I've thought that most of the season. So So. I think he's making a real good situational point here. You could make the case that after the second game in London, there's been multiple weeks that we felt like they were at a disadvantage. First game back home, and then the Thursday game, short week on the road. That that was one of the disadvantages of the year in theory. Yeah. So now they have their bye next week, which teams tend to do a little bit better with their bye next week because they feel like they can reach a crescendo of effort. See the finish line. Yeah, a crescendo of effort, and it's like, and now my pick as a derivative is look at Jacksonville in the first half. And that's my two-way derivative. Going to lay one. Going to lay one instead of two and a half. And McKenzie, you, uh, we, uh, listen, we can get the numbers, but the Pittsburgh first half, second half, the Steelers, in a way, I'm hearing analogies, they're like a heavyweight champion just punching the body, knowing there won't be any real effect, but he'll be tired out. It's like, okay, maybe. Or maybe Pittsburgh just isn't. No, remember, Johnson's back, and if you look at, like, Pickens – or Pickett, it's Pickens. Pickens yards per route run when 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 um, Johnson's on the field is like one of the top three or four in the league. When he's not, it's like the twentieth best in the Stretches league. Stretches out the. the I defense. mean, yeah, the defense can't focus on him. I think he means more than we might have gave it credit for last mm-hmm. week. But I think Jacksonville in general has been in some bad spots. But I know in the first half they're a lot better. And we got those numbers, right, McKenzie? Yeah, Jacksonville is plus 5.1 in the first half, minus 1.3 in the second half. That's, that's, I mean, it's short sample, but that's pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah and if you watch the London games, for instance, it's, I mean, there's maybe a little circumstances there, but they just, you wake, when you woke up and turn on your TV, oh, Jacksonville won. If I was neutral on Jacksonville in the game, and I'm borderline neutral, mm-hmm. I still like the first half. The first half, because yeah. you got a double whammy, right? Yeah. And, McKenzie, can Pittsburgh, you... by the way, minus okay. 5.7 in the first half, plus 1.7 in the second half. I mean, I mean, you think about this. This is literally... That's a great bet. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right. And plus Tomlin, he hasn't had his coffee yet. I mean, it's going to be... Mm. Now, I wonder what the first quarter... Now, what's the money line on the first quarter? Oh, you're probably laying minus $1.25. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right, there you go. What's up next? Bears plus eight and a half at the Chargers. Okay, here's what I want to do. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna go get a drink. I'm. I'm. It's been a long day. I'm gonna go get a drink of Coke Zero. Gonna let you say whatever excuses you want to say, and then we'll get back here and and you know. In fact, I'll let you give the whole hand. Your three weight. So I like. I I don't want you to feel obligated to have me talk about the Chargers. No, no, no. Sometimes you can let the other person beat himself. And then I'll finish the handicap. Okay. So talk to you in a minute. Fez, your two-weight, the Bears at the Chargers, Bears plus eight and a half. And we mentioned earlier the Chargers do uh, do something they hadn't done, which was get blown out. Uh, but they decided this is a good time to get blown out uh, last week against the Chiefs. 
Bears, I don't know what you're – I mean, it seems like people are maybe a little optimistic on the Bears right now. Yeah, you know, I've got the Bears uh, tied with the Giants, five and a half worse than an average team with Badgett to quarterback. And I, I love the how hard the team's playing. You look at that Viking loss with Badgett, you know, it was just a fumble six. That's aging very nicely. Yeah. The fact that they were playing the Vikings even. Um, I love – I'm not a scout, but when I watched Badgett playing, I played that – I watched the entire game – the savviness that he had. You know what? I think it's better to play and start every game in Division Two and play playoff games than to, like, play 10 games for some Division One school that's in the top 20 because you look at Badgen and just the game's not too fast for him. He's running around. He's looking to lateral the ball. He's running down the field. He looks very alert, or the Raiders looked very slow or both. I trust him. I trust based upon what I see. He's got every confidence. The team Look like they played harder than they played all year long with him under center. And who are the Chargers? The Chargers, all they do is play close games. And the I, I have them as a below-average team, slightly. Even if you make them an average team, five and a half on a neutral. Um, how, there's going to be plenty of Bears fans in L.A. Plenty of Bears fans. You cannot make this game you know, as high as it is. So 2-8 is on the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I want nothing to do with the Chargers right now. Uh, Herbert has clearly regressed from last season. Eckler ran for three yards a carry last week. Three yards a carry. Before contact? No. Like, overall. (laughs) uh, Defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Staley had done such a good job defensively against the Chiefs historically, and then just they didn't even slow him down last week. The Bears are getting better. the, The Chargers are getting worse. And the Chargers don't blow anyone out. But I looked at it the last five times that the Chargers have won a game by double digits. All five times, backup quarterbacks. Hmm. It was Mike Glennon, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield a week after he showed up in L.A., uh, Nick Foles, and Davis Mills. Hmm. That's, the, that's the teams that, that – the, the, like, So this, that, is the, this is their one good spot. This is a good spot for the Chargers. I just – I'm not putting any money on them. I, it's it, – and their I, defensive numbers, like remember we talked about Denver being historically yep. bad. Like that defense is like you can't get any worse than that Denver defense. Denver's given up six and a half yards per play, and what's this? The Chargers, they're giving up six point one. So, so they might maybe overtake, they're not historically bad. They <laughs> might overtake Denver by yeah. in bad defense by November. Yeah, yes, it's pretty bad. All right, so Bears is Fezix two weight at plus eight and a half. Okay, I'm back. By the way. Let me guess, because I wasn't listening. Wait, here's my... That's my Coke Zero. You said, I'm going to admit something. You know, Herbert isn't as... You know, man, I don't know why exactly, and I'm making no commitment to the future about my... Fe- but but he has underperformed. Yes. So really what you did was you said, what's the least amount of truth that I can give but still not be uh, identified as a liar? And that's exactly what you're meaning. If you just had any less con- concession, it wouldn't be enough. You figured, what's the amount I can do that's the least, but it will try to mute the complaint. You, you do this all the time. You try to make Herbert and the Chargers one and the same, and they're not. The Chargers stink. How do they stink? Like, what, what, what great quarterback has ever stunk in the NFL? In year four. Matt Stafford. You think he's great? Stafford sucks. And Matt Stafford's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe so. I don't. First of all, that's uncertain. 
But I think it's 50-50 at this point. I, I thought think, it was a great example, though. I mean, if, if but, he's but the he's only quarterback. But he's not a great quarterback. Like, Stafford, during his best time, was ranked 7th or 8th in the league. That's because the Lions sucked. Well, because well, he wasn't a great quarterback. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, think and about it. That's where, probably where Herbert is. Like, I mean, that, that feels about uh, right. Then that's a humongous drop. Yeah. Because, so we're saying Herbert. I, I thought coming into the season, you couldn't put him lower than 5. Because remember, you were trying to bully me to put yeah. him 5. And I refused. Yeah. Okay, so you've downgraded him significantly. Yes. What what did you miss? Um, and I, that I caught. You think you don't you don't want character to matter? Is that it? I I don't have this. I still don't have the questions about his character that you have. I just and Scott and Scott. Well, some random guy who wrote a story. <laughs> oh no no no! It was a scout. These are scouts. Okay. This is straight from the scouts. I, I want to know what what quarterback that scout drafted instead of Herbert <laughs> and how he's feeling about it right now. But would I, you rather have two or Herbert? I would rather have Herbert. So you think two is like below ten or I, no? I don't think he's below ten, but I think he's. Just, well, you just said you admit Herbert's like in the I, ten. Right? I think, he's talking longevity. I think Herbert's probably seven. I think two is eight or nine. That's AJ Hoffman. There's a See, lot I of got, my. I have two of fourth, but I respect what AJ is saying. That if I had to, like, if I had this year, my God, give me two. It's obvious. Sure. But over the next five, ten years, but, I think I want Herbert. But, but also, oh, okay, okay. Right? I was just going to say, what makes Tua not durable all of a sudden? Because it's like it, it seems like he's taking some hits, and I don't know. I mean, let's, I don't know how much more. I don't. Does one person have more propensity to concussions than others before he has his first one? Is what I'm saying. Because I don't no, know. No, but once they have gotten the But that doesn't last for the rest of your life. I think it does. No, I don't think. I don't, I, I think I'll ask David Chow. Okay. I know him. I'll ask him. <laughs> You know, you know a guy that is on the internet. I mean, you acted like that was a big deal. All right, all right. No, I've uh, spoken to him on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nice. He seems yeah. nice. Um, the that's a. I think they're going to say that that we don't know, meaning that that the studies are uncertain hmm. because. But I do know each one you get, it can have oh, a greater effect. That's a good point. Yeah. And almost like like anyone who's had ten concussions, compound, yeah, yeah it's it, going to have problems later in life. Yeah, it's a compounding effect. But but I guess what I'm saying is I'm just not sure we're painting Tua. But I guess he got hurt in college. He had ankle injury. He had to have multiple ankle surgeries. He has knee injuries. Like he's he's got he's he's not a giant. He's not like mm-hmm. Justin. He's not going to be as durable. But I also think. But his teammates like him. Yeah, but I, and I also think he's. I mean, he's got one of the best offensive minds in the world, if not the best. You know, running him around there, and Justin Herbert doesn't have that. But but I thought you were waiting for the OC. That only when Lombardo. I was wrong. I just I'm telling you, I'm wrong. Okay. I, I, I. But you also told me that Trevor Lawrence is better than Justin Herbert, and I don't think that's true either. Well, for no, 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 no. I never said that. I said in our system, I think this year. And again, it was obviously for a fact. I mean, the fact I'm willing to risk that much money and say, <laughs> I think it was too close to call is probably bearing out. I mean, the fact that Lawrence is having, a li- he's 12th in our numbers. Let's just say this. I don't think it's too close if we add up the scores right now. I'm feeling pretty good. You, you should be. <laughs> so, um, what so, do you think of, okay. oh, sorry to interrupt, but no, what do you think of the PFF QBR split? Because generally that's the idea. Like, oh, his team at least letting him down, but. Herbert's sixth in QBR. He's doing a lot better in QBR than in PFF this year. That's interesting because I, I – so let's see. He's 13th in PFF, right, and sixth in QBR. Well, here's the thing, too. Herbert's been – I mean, we don't want – he's used up his excuses, but the Williams thing's a big deal. 
I mean, because this receiver is a bust that they draft. Johnston. Yeah, I mean, at least right now he's not doing anything. Yeah. Right? So really, last year you were saying, well, we can't count this because Williams is out. Well, he's out again. So if anything, it's like. It, but I can't, I can't keep using that. I agree, forever. but what you can't keep neglecting the fact that he disappears in the last drive of the game yeah. with the game oh, on the line. Right. He's the least clutch player we've ever seen. That's absurd, but okay. But he's right he's there. Sir, amongst the elite quarterbacks considered yes, elite. I agree with that. Because it wasn't just two years ago. There was a debate is he with Mahomes? Or he certainly was debatable with Josh Allen. Yep. Like, and no one's debating that anymore. I agree. So. So now I almost want him to do well. Finally, when you get AJ to submit, then you say, you know, I hope. It's not this week because we're both on the Bears. I hope after this week, I hope he has a monster season and we can just bring up all his, like, (laughs) backtrack. At what point, when you watched, did you watch your game last week? Oh, yeah. At what point, how how much are you thinking, like, oh, God, I'm going to take some shit for that? It's just nonstop. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) uh, it's funny. The Chargers never lose by more than three or four points, except the time I back them as a dog, and then they get they get their blood, their doors blown off. I can't. I, I'm done with that team. I, I'm done trying to thread a needle. I'm like, oh, they're pretty short favorite here. I think they could do that. Oh, they're getting points. That's great. Getting almost a touchdown. They're they're, they're, they're no shit. Scenario. They're shit. I gotta be honest with you. It's hard to imagine they're two. I mean. Yeah, I mean he's below 500 for his career. Yeah, it, it's and it's I don't know. There's no it's fun. They, Let's be honest, it's funner than if he had a great run. They've got the talent to be good. They're just not good. They're losers. I, I think <laughs> there's something to being a loser franchise. The Chargers are a loser franchise. So where does where do you see Staley's career? What, what do you see happening? He's gonna work at Home Depot in two years. <laughs> like, he'll probably be a DC somewhere and he'll probably do fine. Yeah, but that's what he should be. But if he was a DC, why isn't this defense any yeah, good? That's a good question too. I don't know. <laughs> you know they spend the most money on D than any team yeah, in the league. And guess what? They've got. There's a bunch of guys on that defense that people would be like, oh, yeah, I'd take that guy. I'd take that. They've got good players. You know what it feels like to me is it's what they did with um, Luka in the NBA is they felt like every move that the Mavs make is to save themselves from the Luka problem that he's going to want to leave. And every one of them seems myopic, where it's like it's maybe okay for the next month or two, but what's the second, the next level issue? It feels like that. Like I don't see how Mac at his salary, um, Khalil Mac made any sense. I mean, he was going down, 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 down from the Bears. And with Luca, what you always hear is, well, they had to do it. I mean, they yeah, just had but to it's do been that. like four moves ago they were yeah. saying that. Yeah. And then it does get worse and worse because when you make a move like Kyrie, then you're really stuck. You know, whatever you want to think of Kyrie, he is a problem for a franchise if he's not happy. No doubt. You know, so, all right. Well, I, yeah, St- what was Staley? The, the DC for the Rams for one season or two seasons? I, think I thought it was two. I think it's one. You might be right. He might be at Home Depot. I mean, like, it's fine. Boy, he parlayed that into some money, though. Yep. Give him credit. Let's see. Is uh, so AJ one season twenty twenty. Yeah, during the COVID year, they didn't even have any crowds to worry about. It, so he never was a DC in college. He was a DC at the professional level with uh, fans on the road against him. Nope, never once. How could you? T- how could you possibly? I mean, it was. Oh wow! But you you put your you hitched your wagon. Now no, I didn't hitch my wagon to Staley. I want nothing to do with him. He sucks. Now what are you feeling about the Bills? Um, great concern. <laughs> great concern. I brought up some concerns before the season. 
It seems like there was some some drama on on the defense. I mean, they ran out their head, their DC. It's. I mean, it's sure in hindsight, it's easy to say that that is a factor. I'd say losing three of their four best defensive players to injury is a factor. Like, so who's the third one? Daquan Jones, Milano, and Tre'Davious White. <sighs> where do you got the bill? Like, Feds, where do you got the bills at? Just real quick. Seventh. Okay. All right. I mean, that feels right. I, I don't think that, I, I with the with those defensive injuries, I, I don't. I think their ceiling is not Super Bowl. So I, I think they're they're certainly out on the number one seed now, which I felt like they needed to have to to beat Kansas City anyway. So, but you do realize this is the last year that they. Yep. I mean, like it's almost because of the contracts are going to have to be yep. almost like the hurt starting the year. Josh yeah. Allen said something very interesting in his press conference. He said, "Well, I want to remind everybody, you know, the season's not over yet." And it's like, a season's over? <laughs> like, the fact he was— You're saying even, that was past— Even he thought people thought that was too past. The, the yeah. mere fact he was saying it means their season's over. But there are people talking about them not making the playoffs, which I still think— Well, I, right now they'd be the seventh seed, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see what New England does this week because— or. Um, are they? I can't remember. They got Miami. no. There's no buys this. Oh yeah, no Miami. buys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, my well, that's an interesting team too. See, here's the thing. I'm I've done my part here. I've covered all my games, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna check out and let you guys finish. So I'll just kind of wrap up a few different things here. Have you ever seen a team, Fez, like Miami, that does so well against non-elite teams? But against elite teams, they, they they're like you know they're way below at, or they, they're clearly inferior. Yes, they crushed five bad teams, and the, the only thing I can say is that they were on the road in both those spots at Philly and at Buffalo. But um, didn't no. it feel super competitive though. They're, they're Penn State. They're Penn State uh. walking around stomping off on every uh, every Illinois and Nebraska it, they yeah, can find, feels, and then they go to Ohio point. State it, and they're like, oh, we it, forgot how to play football. It feels like a, it almost feels like a college. Team, right? Like, well, Wisconsin was that way for yep. years, right? Where, where they they actually had to play a good team, they'd get murdered. But I think it's more like Houston back in the um, Jack Pardee days. You remember that, right? Blue is they started running shooting, and it was innovative, and they would run it up against people at their level. And then there was a famous game against Miami. I can still remember. I was so fascinated by it. It was like a Thursday night game, and every team was trying to do 80 different things. Miami just rushed three. And they, they, and they were getting pressure with three at the time. And I think it, was, uh, it wasn't Klingler. It, was, it might have been Andre Ware at the time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so – and maybe I'm mixing up ears there. But no. Is that the team that went ten and two and they won every game? By it was Andre Ware because that's the, we're talking about the uh, his Heisman year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so. I, th- I think they won like every game by like they they won like a game by like seventy, and then the next week they lost, and like the team they beat by seventy, the the the, the coach that won said, "Oh, by the way, the team they beat they won the next week." You know, <laughs> the um, I think they're a lot like um, remember Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. Were at Loyola Marymount. You remember that? Oh, sure. And and obviously Hank Gathers collapsed on. It was Hank, yeah. Yep. And then they shot the free throw left hand. But they were the type of team. If they played at their someone at their level, they would blow them out. But then there was just physical things they couldn't handle. At the, that you was, don't see that in the NFL though. That was you know I think from memory though that that was scheme where they were like cross country runners. That they literally well was, the, the, the pace was fast. The, the pace pace was so fast that like when they play a team that was not 
not conditioned or didn't have a bench, mm. they, they, they'd lose the, they'd be losing like 28 to 17 and then they'd kill them. So I guess my question is this. If Miami were playing, who's the worst? Let's say Carolina is the worst team generally. Okay. It, what's the line Carolina versus the 49? Who do you have number one now? 49 or still or Kansas City? Kansas City. Yeah, I love where you're going here. Yeah. Kansas City versus Carolina I think is a lower number than Miami versus Carolina. I, I agree with that. But if it's Kansas City, Miami playing on a neutral, Casey's, Casey's fake. Exactly. But not by one or two. There may be three or three and a half. It's kind of like back when Bama was clearly the best team. But they would, but Bama would be laying 38 and somebody else might be laying 44. But Bama was against a cupcake. But but Bama was clearly the best team. But it's not just pace either. It's, it's Miami's so efficient. Yeah. So Or maybe it's been fluky. See, I wonder. So... Buffalo didn't have any of those injuries in that game, did they? In the Miami game? Yeah. No. Okay. All of them's happened o- since. Only Von Miller, who's now back. That mm-hmm. was that How's was he that. looking? Meh. <laughs> They've got like three more years with him yeah. on the that that was a <clears throat> that was a potential bad uh, decision. Well, it felt like a, a a move in the moment where you panicked. It was like we needed to upgrade. It felt like they were pushing all in, and they thought I think they were pushing all in for last year and this year. And now they're collecting the chips. Yep. All right. Let's look at. New Orleans and Indianapolis, first game of the day. And let's start out with Scott has a one weight on this pick. He's going under 43 and a half in this game. I worry about that a little. Uh, I know the Saints do nothing but play unders. 12 and 1. But the Saints also, uh, here's what we saw last week with the Colts. Colts played against what we most most people consider the best defense in the world, right? The Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. And they put up a lot of they put up a lot of yards, put up a lot of points. Why is that? It's because Cleveland runs a ton of man to man. And Gardner Minshew loves going against man. St- Shane Steichen loves going against man. They're both way better against man than they are zone. Looking at PFF, I looked at the wide receivers on PFF, how they do against zone. The Colts have three of the top wide, top 50 wide receivers in the league against man coverage. Hmm. Their best wide receiver against zone coverage comes in at 63. Interesting. So they've, their, their offense falls off a cliff when they see zone. And what happened, the Saints play more man coverage than anyone in the league. So I feel like the Colts could have some offensive success here. Um it's tough for me to see the Saints really figuring things out offensively. I lean pretty heavily to the Colts here at home at a, at a pick. Uh, I think the Colts have a massive coaching advantage. You know, I, I think Allen might be – I mean, he's got to be the worst coach in the league. At some point – He has lots of competition. He, he does, but they, they've all got better ATS records than he does. <laughs> I mean, he's the worst in the history of time. Um, so I, I lean – to the Colts, I, I maybe I, I might look at a Colts team total over because I do think this offense is going to have some success against this man-heavy scheme uh, for the Saints. I think it's very repeatable what they did last week against Cleveland. And I just lean to the Colts in general because for my ratings on the two teams, I have them e- equal teams, so the Colts are home. So I got to be honest, though, whenever I've got a pick game like this, I'll let the odds maker decide who I bet because it won't stay pick. It's floating. It's been going back and forth. And as soon as it goes to plus one, I can tease it in a six and a half point teaser up to seven and a half. And I think it'll be another close game. It'll be 23-20. It'll be 24-21. 
So you give me either one of these teams plus seven and a half, and that's absolutely the way I'm going to go, but I've got no play on this game. Um, the Saints are also, I mean, they're going to be a low-variance team in general. Like, I, I don't think the Saints are going to be involved in a bunch of blowouts one way or the other. I mean, they blew out the the Patriots, I guess, earlier this year, but I, I don't think it's going to happen very often that the Saints run away and hide from anybody. They got the love against Jacksonville on Thursday with, like, the world's in the world's greatest yeah. spot, and you blink and they were down double digits. And ultimately, they wound up come rallying all the way back and tying it, but, like, there was a game – Either one of those teams plus seven and a half, you're going to get you're going to get the money with. Yeah, I feel seven and a half in a Saints game is going to you're going to win more often than not. The Colts a little more variance because they're a little little more, uh, I guess, unpredictable on on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and but again, I think this is a good offensive spot for them. Putting up 38 on the Browns, I, I think that 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 man to man thing. There's something to it. And it feels like, you know, the Saints running so much man. Colts should have beaten the Browns. You watched the game. It was oh, 11 against 17. Hard to win that way. That, I mean, what's funny is, and I guess it's a good good time to bring it up, was this the worst officiated week ever? Like, I mean, how many games got decided on bad calls? I mean, It's a go- great point. It's one thing to decide a game, like have a bad call in the second quarter. But then it's another thing like the fail Mary, you know, when, yeah. when in the Seattle Green Bay game, when you make the call that ultimately decides again, this happened in Cleveland and it happened in the Rams, Pittsburgh, where, all right, you know, Rams are getting the ball and they could come back. We don't know if they will. And nope, it's uh, they got up, they got up to dance and they never got a chance. The, the Bills game, the Bills Patriots game, they throw a flag for an illegal man downfield. I mean, it, Patriots had to go for it. Yeah. It was their their game point. on the line. They throw a flag for an illegal man downfield. They pick it up, and then they show the replay. There's there an offensive is. lineman like 15 yards downfield. How is that not – like? and that's the game. That decided the game. It, I, there's, I've complained about this on SOV this week. There has to be a better way for replay to not – like you've got to be able to get these things right. Every, and, every, every game, the there should be an independent official like on the sideline that like – can challenge. He gets three challenge. He gets two or three challenges a game, which is oh, that's just stupid, you know. And can throw his own challenge. Yes. Yeah, and the idea that because the Steelers game had two minutes and thirteen seconds left instead of a minute mm-hmm. and fifty nine, and somehow it it wasn't as impactful on the game. It was. I mean, it was the entire game was that decision and the technology of it. Why can't we have some kind of technology where we don't have to have a seventy year old man? raise his hand and say, this is where the ball was. I, this is where I – like, he doesn't know. You're supposed to keep it in the in the right sock, yeah, not like, the left sock. I mean, it's just – it's so cartoonish. Yes. And the Colts – I mean, that, that that's another reason for me to like the Colts a little bit here is I feel like they got a bad beat last week. They're probably better than the market gives them credit for. Um, but the Saints being – and there's and right now, like, as we're, as we're recording this, the Colts are home dogs. And home dogs are, are had a really good time last week. Uh, they were six and zero straight up, five and one ATS. If there was one theme from last week, or excuse me, five and one straight up, six and zero ATS, that I would say is that a mediocre team should never be laying a field goal to a bad team. I agree, and That's, there were and there were so many of them. You know, the, the Washington at the Giants. Washington football team is not good enough to be laying three ever, the, the, ever. Uh, the, the Raiders, 
The like, Raiders are not a good enough football team ever, much less than 50 degrees, you know, in in Chicago. I don't I don't care that they're playing the University of Illinois, Northwestern, or the Ohio State, or the – okay, I'm exaggerating. But um, they, if you watch that game, if they replayed that game, the Bears would be a heavy favorite. Yeah, I'm I'm trying hard to avoid the um the the road favorites this week unless I know unless the only exception is going to be when it's a team that I know is good versus a team that I know is really bad and outside of that like bad teams giving up points or, or giving points on the road to terrible teams doesn't cut it for me. I have a couple road favorites, but uh, we'll talk about them and I'll explain why. All right, yep. uh, let's go to Philly. At Washington, and this is Scott's Scott Seidenberg's four weight game. Um, Philly minus six and a half in the contest here. I generally agree with Scott. It's, I wouldn't play Washington. Washington was one of the teams that last week, it, one of my very few winners on this pod was Giants because I said. Washington shouldn't be. A... You let the team down last week with your two and three on the pod. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't go along with the rest of you. I apologize. As it turned out, you were the. Congratulations, Mister Hoover. <laughs> you are the uh, the shining gold star yeah. of the Delta Pledge class. One point six four four C's and an F. This is um, Philly. Always it seems like Washington plays them close. And that's what kept me from taking Philly here. But Sam Howell holds the ball so long. And he is on pace now to set the record as the most sacked quarterback in the history of the NFL, taking over the mantle from David Carr uh, Mm. back in Houston, his rookie year. He was sacked five times in the first game against the Eagles. And the problem with that is with him holding the ball so long and taking all these sacks is you can't run against the Eagles either. So you have to count on Sam Howell to do something they started the the commanders started out two and zero. In hindsight, you look back and you say, "Oh, well, they beat Arizona, and they beat Denver, mm-hmm. and neither one of them was a convincing win." But we're like, "Yeah, Washington maybe better they than almost, we thought." But they almost beat Philly. That's true. They did. They played Philly tough. Um, you know, but they also lost by twenty at home to the Bears, which should eliminate any goodwill that they had. Let me ask you, as a former quarterback, so I'm sure you saw the play where Sam Howell, the game's on the line. It's fourth down. He throws behind his receiver, and I'm not going to throw the receiver on the bus because normally I'd say, well, the receiver's got to catch this. But not only does the receiver have to catch it, he's got to pick up like six more inches, Yeah, which adds an, a level of complexity greatly to a receiver that's reaching back to the ball because he can't just sell out and fall sure. down and catch it. But literally, it's a 10-yard pass, and I know he's rolling out. I would say if I put you in that situation position today, you complete that half the time. Ooh, is that accurate? That's probably it's debatable. Forty percent, maybe twenty-five. In your prime, oh, thirty-five percent. I'd oh no. I mean, it's, it's like it's not very good. It's I mean, he's wide open. Yeah, you're right. He's wide open. It's yeah. a ten-yard pass. It's like what is this? It's almost like <gasps> he's open. You know, it's like it's it, it's like he's suddenly like a high school quarterback. You he, know, it's terrible. Here's my question about Washington. They've now lost four out of five. I think it's safe to say, I don't think they're going to fire. Ron Rivera during the season, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Ron Rivera won't be coaching this team next year. He and Dusty Baker already have reservations to meet for dinner. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now Jack Del Rio, he may very well be fired mid season. Like mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me. They, they're like, listen, Ron, we're not going to can you, uh, but your buddy's got to go. 
But now that, like, I was reading today, there's talk about the commanders potentially trading Chase Young. Like, this sounds to me like a team that is done for this year, I right? Did, I did like, in the locker room interviews, one, one of their stud defensive linemen, they were interviewing him. Jonathan I, Allen, yeah. yeah? Yeah, and so Jonathan Allen looked... Sick of this shit. He looked pissed. He looked angry. He looked like just Jefferson from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and that's that's the type of reaction I like from players, you know, as opposed to, oh, well, you know, oh, well, we, we lost. You know, power rating-wise, I make this game 8.5, which means there's value to go ahead and go with Scott and Philly. I don't like that Hurts at the end of the game. Oh, he's limping around. And the, the post-game interview, are you okay? And, or and, no, they said, they said, is this something that's going to linger? And he said, I hope not. We're, um, you know, we're just, we're going to have to, we're, we're just going to like, you know, do, we're just do our jobs. You know, that's, that's all we, we like, 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 like he's not even going to answer. Of course he's injured. That's why he's wearing a brace. Yeah. You know, Philly, like they, they would have preferred him not to answer those questions or to give just like the line of, yeah, everything's all right. But he, they were like, uh, so how's your knee? He's like, it's okay. <laughs> well, were you wearing a knee brace? Yeah. Is it something that's going to linger and bother you for the rest of the season? I hope not. He didn't sound very confident when <laughs> exactly. he said, I hope so, not. So I, I. Let's face it. And that, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, the tush-push, a little less effective when you don't want to drive off that knee. You would, I'm sure he's not squatting 800 pounds or whatever right now. Yeah, while so, and, and that really, and they converted four of them. So that really gives Philly an unfair advantage versus the rest of the league because think about how great that is. I mean, a lot of teams struggle on fourth and one. They only get it like 55% of the time. And and Philly gets it like ninety percent of the time. Yeah. That's an enormous advantage. So I'm I'm on the sideline for the game. Historical facts for you: Washington's their quarterback set to break the record for sacks taken. Well, last year the Eagles set the record for sacks in a season with seventy, and their average this year would have led the league last year. So they are, it's it, maybe over two and a half sacks is a, is an interesting player. Whatever the number is. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Good call there, and obviously the game scripts would, should call for Washington having to, th- to throw the ball a lot, being down. All right, let's look at New England at the Dolphins. New England plus nine here. It's hard to want to back the Patriots with the Dolphins coming off a loss, and the Dolphins have been bullies. They are smacking around all the bad teams they play. Someone shows up with a pulse, and the Dolphins can't score. I will say this for New England. The offense looked so good last week, relative, and a lot of it is their O-line has started to get healthy finally. They were super banged up to start the season. They're starting to get some continuity on that line. They're getting healthier, and the Dolphins are getting less healthy. Tyreek Hill didn't practice today. Mostert didn't practice today. Jalen Waddle left the game with an injury. Uh, That whole left side of the line. Yeah, they, I mean, they're the center just, and, the, and, and their tackle and their guard. They are beat up. But they always beat the, the Patriots in Miami even when the Patriots were good. They do. That said, this is not Miami-type weather we're going to be looking at here. 17-mile-an-hour winds in Miami? That sounds like— It's, it's always a little windy sounds in Miami. Sounds like Foxborough, though. It's 17? It's, it's always—Miami it, always has trade winds blowing. Um, We did see— the Patriots slow down this Dolphins offense a couple weeks ago in their first game, or I guess it's been more than a couple weeks, week two. Mm-hmm. But now they're the the two best players from New England's defense are gone. So are they gonna are they gonna keep you know keep holding them down? I'm not sure. But uh, so the Pats more healthy on offense than they were in the first game, less healthy on defense. You you mentioned the historic 
uh, you know, Miami typically handles this these situations, but kind of a unique situation. They handled the the home game against New England, but they're normally catching three, not laying nine. Right. You know, so this is a new animal. You know, I make the game nine. I look at my power rating, and my only reaction from this game I was like, I probably should bet Gasecki to go over because he got the the key pass, you know, to win the game. And as a former Dolphin, I always love playing on, on a on a player that on the come that that has a good performance. And now that they place their they play their former teammates, it seems like that's almost an auto bet in the NBA. Mackenzie, is that an auto bet for you? Almost. Explain the situation. Uh, you just have a player that left a, a a team, and now he's playing his former team for the first time. Oh yeah, that's definitely. I mean, I, I look in that direction, whether it's player props or on the side of that team, extra motivation. Yeah. Yeah, that makes some sense to me. Yeah, I, this I'm, I, I think what I thought about was exactly what you said. When when is New England ever a nine point dog at Miami in these spots? Like when does that ever happen? And I I don't know. I don't know if it. I, I don't. I can't even imagine the last time it would have happened. When is New England ever an eight point dog against you know anybody? And they won outright last week. Yeah. So so. Uh, I'll be on the sideline. Uh, there's a lot of things that said take New England. I'm not ballsy enough mm. to do it. 2001, October 7th, the last time the Dolphins were 10 or 9 or greater point favorites facing the Patriots. 2007, you said? 2001. 2001. 2001. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's almost a quarter century that ago. That was disrespectful to Brady. I think that was like his third start. Man. Well, that, that, they learned a lesson that day, the books did, and they said no moss. Sixth-round draft pick. Yeah, no, no <laughs> moss on that one. Yeah, we got Minshew going for the Patriots. It can't be good. All right, let's, <laughs> let's go to Minnesota at the Packers. This is a pick'em here in the contest. This is Scott Seidenberg's three-weight. It is on the Vikings. I wanted to play Minnesota here, but once I really thought about it, I said, okay, I'm buying if I do this, I'm buying high on the Vikings, and I'm I'm fading the Packers at the bottom of the market. Packers just lost another team. Don't lay road points with the Packers. They're not good enough to lay points on the road. I don't care if it's Denver. They're not good enough to lay points mm-hmm. on the road. It's, but I'd be buying the Packers. I'd be fading the Packers. Like at, this is about as low as they can be, right? I I think so. And well, I do have Minnesota point and a half better. But like, look no further than. Well, I mean, the, I'm sure the look at line had you know Green Bay favored, and now we're now we're at Pickham, and short week of preparation for the Vikings and. I mean, I still don't have Justin Jefferson. Uh, one thing I will say, this defense for the Vikings is much, much better. Way better, yeah. And th- what they're doing, I mean, they're the most blitz-heavy team in the league. and That it, could work against Jordan Love. Well, to his credit, Jordan Love's been he's been better against a blitz than not against a blitz. Mm. You can typically run on Minnesota, but we just saw the 49ers had a hard time running on Minnesota. And... It feels to me like the the Vikings are playing with a little more confidence, a little more swagger. Cousins coming out and saying, "I'm not going anywhere." Uh, I think that that that's like a a, a boost. That's got to at least be calming to this team. And if they win this game, they're four and four, and the bad start is basically forgotten. They're in solid shape to make the playoffs. They've they've still got Broncos, Bears, Raiders, Saints, Falcons on the schedule. You're four and four, and that's and another game with Green Bay. Like you can, that's definitely a, a, you've got a good chance to make the playoffs. I still go back and say, you know what, uh, you 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 let me know who I'm going to bet. You know, whoever you make the favorite, I'm teasing the other guys up to seven and a half. This is another game that should be close, and that's what Green, all Green Bay does is play really close games, starting with Atlanta, 
that somebody wins by one point, and we don't know who's going to win, so boom. Green Bay, to me, is like Washington. I feel like I am I, – I, it's not just Washington. It's uh, – I guess you could put Miami and Detroit in that basket too, which I've taken a lot of shit for. But they're teams that I'm I'm just not as high on as the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, Green Bay, I, I just don't get it. I don't get why people are like, this team's pretty good. No, Jordan Love is bad. He's just he's the, there's not much redeemable. You, you about nailed it. Everyone's point. been blaming it on the injury to Watson and Jones, and that's not the problem. No the problem is the quarterback can't play. Yeah, he's he's just not good enough. And, I agree with that. Uh, so I I I don't know if the if this is the bottom for Green Bay, and they lose this game, w- w- what's that say? Like if you lose at home as a pick to Minnesota. To Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, Kirk Cousins has been a lot better lately. Like you mm-hmm. can all the making fun of we do of him. Like not too, McKenzie. Where's Kirk Cousins in our uh, our rankings? Currently number eighth. Number eighth. Number, number eight. eighth. That's not bad. That's just because everyone else stinks. Uh, <laughs> all right, but I mean, listen. If if you'd set his over under at the start of the season, I don't think you would have been. Uh, you would have said he was going to be better than eight. Yeah. yeah, we did it pretty much. We had that contest. Uh, Scott picked him twelfth. I faded him. I thought he was going to be much worse than twelfth. Not looking good. He's pretty good. Yeah, he, he's been very solid. Like you said, the defense is getting better. I'll tell you what Minnesota's biggest problem is. They they seem to want to stay married to Alexander Madison. I mean, he is like a – he's basically a, a Pittsburgh Steelers running back. It's There's no moves. There's no uh, no pop, no zest. It's they hand him, hand him the ball, and he runs straight ahead and gets like two or three yards and falls down. He sucks. They they traded for Cam Akers. Who listen? I don't think Cam Akers is like some great shakes at this point. But he's got to be better than Alexander Madison. They, like anytime they run the ball, I just say, oh, they're not getting anything. They, you know, they, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw a, a a little alternative here because um, I'm going to make this my my I'm, I'm going to take a game up because I I don't like my road chalk. So I'm, I, I was thinking about playing Jacksonville. I'm not going to play Jacksonville. This is going to be my one weight. And I'm going to play first half under. First half under? First half under 21. Okay. That's going to be my one way. All because right. I see this being a slow starting game. And you know what? If uh, Vikings complete a 70-yard pass with eight seconds to play like they did against San Fran, this first half will probably go over. But I don't think that's going to happen against that Viking defense. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, on the fly, Fez goes with a one weight on the first half under. What's the uh, what's the number we'll be grading that at, Fez? It'll be under 21 because the game total is 42. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, let's take a look at Monday Night Football. Raiders at Lions. Lions minus eight and a half. I'm not sure what the quarterback situation is for Vegas. Which Garoppolo is... expected to play. Oh, okay. So I get that's why it went from nine to eight and a half today. Well, no, it was reported uh, the beginning of or the end of last week that he was expected to play. You know, in ten days' time. Okay. Well. Man, this number sure feels like. Did he play last week? He did no. not. Because I've got. Oh, dang goodness. Yes, cash it. Fez minus four hundred. Wasn't even close. I think it was twelve hours after we stopped taping. You, you Garoppolo know, out. You know how many minus four hundred you have to win to just get back? Get back when did, you lose your you minus four hundred. That was against RJ. No, that was me versus Fez. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. I'm. I guess Mackenzie, to his credit, even texted. He know. He knows. I would just forget about it. And he even tweeted. <laughs> So I want to be ahead just, of it. I want to be just, ahead He doesn't of it. even tweet. Yeah, he doesn't even tweet his winners. He tweets his losers. I like that. I don't. I'll be honest with the Raiders. 
I didn't get the Brian Hoyer thing. I don't understand how they think he's a better option than Aiden O'Connell. Well, they didn't as of the third quarter. They were like, all right, I guess we're wrong. Yeah, but then when they asked him in the postgame, Josh McDaniels was like, well, this isn't the preseason anymore. Like, uh, I know he was O'Connell good in the preseason. Was like the loser huh. of the, this in the preseason. O- O'Connell was like the loser of the year when he played against the Chargers. He was terrible. He got, yeah. like sacked himself and like and dropped the ball. <laughs> three yeah. Threw an interception at the one on first down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ridiculous. no one, no one could po- possibly play. I mean, I know he was. Then like, maybe, maybe Jimmy G's the MVP of the league. Like <laughs> he may be the most valuable and, player. And, to and O'Connell's the MVP of August. He's like Seneca Wallace. He's great in August. But other than that, I don't want him. Let's talk about the Lions who uh, got humbled. This was. I I worried that the Lions were a little overhyped coming into that game because they beat up a bunch of bad teams. I was I was all alone. Everybody was mad at me on the pod last week because I it's everybody liked the Lions except for me. I sat up, I sat in the corner with my arms crossed and I didn't want. Yeah, <laughs> gave you the dunce hat. Yeah, I was the big dope who who wasn't a buyer on this Lions team. They didn't even belong on the field with the Ravens. Let. What did you? What kind of adjustment did you make to the Lions after that game? Like, what's your what? What was your thoughts watching? Not not just watching them lose, but just not being competitive. Uh, sometimes things happen. You know, okay. I don't like to re- overreact, so I lowered Detroit by a point because I was like, you know what? It just... Although when the Bears won their first game in a calendar year, you upped them two and a half points. Well, that was because I thought that the <laughs> I thought the Bears had lost the locker room and and like okay. and so so there are teams that are on the cusp of like free falling. New England was the same way where I got to be very aggressive about, okay, now I'm getting a good, honest effort from this team as opposed to I'm just mailing in. It's like the same thing like New England after those back-to-back games where they didn't score. Yeah. And I was like, is this team just quitting completely? Uh, so where do you have Detroit now in your ratings? Eighth. Eighth. And and basically, so I've got them That two- feels fair. You, you They were fifth last week? Yeah. And they are eighth in our five-metric power rating average. That feels right to me. Now, I, I bumped Baltimore. This is a, a, a tremendous— Baltimore effect. might be number one. I moved him up two points because I looked at it and I said to myself, I had Baltimore, and I'm like, oh, I got to have Baltimore as good as Miami. I, yeah. mean, I mean, I can't have Miami better than Baltimore, so I got to bring them up to where they're tied with Miami at a very minimum. So but I had to bump them, too. Let me ask you, Mac. You're the, you're the Niners guy. And I, let, let's take the, the Purdy concussion off the table. All right. But So let's say Purdy was going to play this week. And it was Ravens Niners on a neutral. How, what would what would your line be? I'd make the Niners minus one. I thought the Browns game was pretty concerning. The Minnesota game missed field goal, fumble at the one. I thought it was more bad luck, really, compared to the Browns game. I thought we got some of the train back on the track. So I would I would downgrade the 49ers after two losses each after each loss for sure. I would still have number one. Just to mention, um, I, I don't want to tell like uncle or cousin Kyle what to do, but. Um, Every NFL team should have a mugum play, and a mugum play is when there's that's assault, brother. When there's 20 seconds left in the game or the first half, and the team has the ball like on their own 30, you just you just grab, you grab, yeah. and you defensive yeah. hold. And if you, and I know there's a rule that says if you do intentional penalties on back-to-back plays, it's a five-yard or a 15-yard penalty, and no clock, no, there's no time run off the clock. But How are you going to prove that's intentional? Well. The point is, first you got to flag me for the first time, right? right? So let's get let's get the party started and right. go ahead and 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 yeah, let's just kind of aggressively hold. So there's no reason to let receivers run free. And 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 people argue with me all the time, like, 
oh, it's really hard to stop some of the lines. No, it isn't. It, it's hard. You, you know what? I mean, they're not expecting to get tackled, you know, and, and you're literally, if there's any threat of the guy, him going past you, you're now you're not just grabbing a little jersey. You're you grabbing a lot of jersey. It can just be illegal contact downfield. Like, that's what that's, they're calling that way more now. Like, uh, but you can't wait too long where it becomes pass interference. You got to right. get at them. Well, you you got to do it before the ball's in the air. Like, yeah. it's, when they're, when they look like they're breaking their route, you, you shove them and like act like you're trying to jam them. And, and everything say, oh, I thought is I was so, at five yards. Everything is so much timing that it, they're never going to be able to release and complete the pass. Yes. Yeah. It didn't have to be even that, though. I mean, that's the ironic thing. And I agree that that makes sense. But the Traverius Ward had two hands on the ball trying to intercept, trying to get a second interception, trying to get his name up in the lights. Knock it down. There's six seconds and a half or 10 seconds, whatever it is. I, Knock it down. The half's over. I, I, I can't fault him because I've seen this play like 100 times in the NFL, and exactly one has resulted in a touchdown for the offense. <laughs> right. You know, it was, so yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it really was just unlucky. But nevertheless, it never should have been in that position. Well, let's back to this, this Lions-Raiders game. What's your power rating put this at? Six and a half. I only have the Lions five points better. Now, it's the Lions, you know, get. It's a kill spot for the Lions after they got destroyed. They got embarrassed. But I never. I mean, the number is so far away from where my number is. If G played, if I knew G was playing, I think I have to bet the Raiders. But the Raiders are losers. Is the problem the Raiders? You know, the Raiders running back like wants to get paid. Did he already get paid? What was the uh, Josh one Jacobs? Year? He got one year, year twelve yeah. million. Yeah, he's he's going to get twelve million. He's going to get nothing because he stinks. He's replacement level this year. Mackenzie, you've seen him run. Why why can't he break any tackles? He does seem a lot worse. I'm not a scout. I have heard this from people that Derek Carr is, with all his flaws, he can go deep. He can stretch the defense a little bit more than Jimmy G or any of these other guys. And that allowed more space for them to have the running game going. But Jimmy G's throwing seven-yard passes. They're not scared of anything short. Can we look it's up It's ironic yards? about Derek Carr now because that's the complaint everybody's got in New that's Orleans. That's true. The check down king. Yeah. yeah. But so his, I don't know how that worked. his yards after contact have to be, like, worst in the league, and they were, like, best in the league before that, though. I mean, he yeah, isn't breaking it anything. It does seem stark. Yes. I mean, listen, that's why the guy was trying to cash in. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a healthy season, tried to cash in. Josh Jacobs led the league in rush and tried to cash it. It makes sense for these guys. You, you, like Josh Jacobs, prob- if I said, Josh, okay, Josh Jacobs just led the league in rushing yards. If I gave you, I don't know, three to one, and I said Josh Jacobs will never win another rushing title, you get three to one. Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you bet Josh Jacobs to win another one? Like, was there ever any indication no. before last season that he was going to be a guy who led the league in rushing yards? Well, well just because he played for the Ra- he plays for the Raiders and like like the, how uh, often are the Raiders like in a, in a position yeah. to be running the ball a lot? Exactly. You know, it's interesting. Like sometimes you see guys also, and like I, I saw Derrick Henry in a commercial. And I'm like, that dude looks heavy, you know. Yeah. And then I, I and I saw Josh Jacobs, you know, being interviewed by one of the local newscasters. Like that, I could tackle that guy. Well, I know in, in August he wasn't at camp. You know, he was going yeah. to the movies and stuff. By the way, Josh Jacobs, two point four yards after contact last season. This year, it's cut in half, exactly one point two. I think you're right, Fez. That there's got to be like a, a a bump to the Lions this week because I don't think Campbell's going to let them. He's not the kind of guy who's going to let you have two duds in a row. Uh but. It's just hard. It's hard for me to to get to the Lions laying eight and a half points. Think about how much worse 1.2 is versus 2.4. So, in other words, what that's saying is that last year after week eight, if every time that he it was it was flag football with 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 the running back that if he was touched, he he has to fall down immediately. Yeah, that's what he's doing this year. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, so no, uh, no, what? No one's got to play on this. Mac, you have a feel for this game one way or the other? No, but our five metric power ranking makes it only four and a half. If Jimmy G plays, Fez makes it six and a half. I feel like it's one of those plays that you don't want to make, but the Raiders seem to be the value play. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to do it. And it, like Fez's power rating says it, our power rating say it. Like, I just got, I've got no appetite to bet. And I think the Lions are a team that, I mean, they're much like the Dolphins. When you put a bad team on the field with them, I think they're going to make those bad teams look bad. Hmm. And I can see that. It, like that, if it, it feels kind of that way, doesn't it? And then last week, the Dolphins, or excuse me, the the Lions got on the field with a team that's got a pulse, and all of a sudden they didn't look that good. I th- I think that might be what what this team is just just a uh, another one of these these bully teams who they all their stats are going to look really good. Because they're they're going to pile up numbers every time they play a bad football team. But this is the team they bully is the problem. <laughs> that's the that's the concern. That's what that's why I I can't. This is the little wimpy kid that they can torment without the teacher in the I, classroom. I can't in good conscience back them <laughs> because like they could they could make the Raiders look like they made the the Panthers look or how they made the Packers look and that that was pretty rough. You know we should mention you know the West Coast teams normally have an advantage with the primetime games with the start times so that is a little check mark a little small check mark by is the Detroit Char- central time or eastern 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 so, it's a little check mark by the chargers and by the las vegas raiders be- because of that you know that that's one advantage you know i'm making my case for i grew up in southern ohio all right so cincinnati area and when you're on the very edge of the time zone it is the greatest thing ever in the summertime because the sun doesn't go down in the summer until like 8.45. So if you're out playing even 9, you know, at dusk. So if you want to go play golf, you know, like twilight, you know, you it's just. Get a full round in. And I remember like when I was in Chicago, this sucks. It's like because it's central time, but it's close enough that I'm like, whoa, you know, the sun's down at 8 o'clock here. This is crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the Rams at the Cowboys. This is my one weight, and it is on a team total, Dallas over 26 and a half points. You have to really start asking some questions about the Rams defense. The like I thought the Rams got a bad bad deal last week against Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh still moved the ball and there was explosive plays happening. Should have should have been more scoring. Rams um well just their goals. idiot, idiot yeah. kicker left 7 points. You could argue 6 cuz they did get the 2 point conversion, missed a couple field goals. Um, obviously the bad spot of the ball, so they don't get an opportunity to drive, but um, gave up. The Rams gained almost 400 yards and somehow did, did, didn't turn translate into any points. Yeah. yeah, our all stats model, which takes the stats and projects what a average box score with these stats would show you, 31 Steelers, 25 Rams. Should have been a 56-point outing. Wow. It would not have hurt my feelings like it did if that had indeed been the final <laughs> score. Yeah, I would have preferred that score as well. Uh, I don't want to play the full game over because I've got a feeling Matt Stafford is going to be under pressure. Uh, Stafford is the fourth highest graded quarterback in the league when he's kept clean. Mm -hmm. He is the 23rd rated quarterback when he's under pressure. The Cowboys are second in the league at creating pressure. They're coming off a bye. The Rams look tired in the second half against the Steelers. They're letting Kenny Pickett have explosive plays against you. 
I didn't even know Kenny Pickett knew what an explosive play was, and he was just piling them up what against the Rams about? defense. He is Mr. Explosive Play. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't have explosive plays, but it's not, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it, throw in the Pickens. No, yeah, 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 I'm saying the quarterback hasn't, I mean, he's yeah. hardly had any. And, I agree with that. And Pickens, I mean, well, we'll get. We'll deal with the Steelers later, but I think this Rams defense is just worn out, and I, I think it's a good opportunity with Dallas coming off the bye to, to put up some numbers. And pre-flop, before the season started, we talked about how we thought the Rams were going to be an over-team with all those new, those new pieces on defense, and we thought, oh, this is even before the guy whose name I cannot pronounce, the Tuka... Oh, uh, Nakua. Puka Nakua. Tuka Nakua. Puka or, Nakua. Yeah, what you said. Yeah. Um, Tutu Atwell. Don't get him confused. They, um, and, and, so the Rams are going to score their point. They're going to get their 20 to 23 points, but they can't stop anyone. So I like your over. Yes. All right. There you go. Dallas team total over 26. By the way, I make this game five and a half. Uh, the sharp move up to six and a half. Sharp money laying it with Dallas. Let's go to Baltimore laying eight and a half at Arizona. And last week on our three weights, McKenzie and I had a crossfire. McKenzie was the big winner there. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs took care of business over the Chargers. This week, our three weights are aligned. McKenzie and I both on. Your Chargers lost? They did, yeah. Shocking. Again? Yeah. Well, I knew they'd lose. I just thought they'd lose by like four, like usual. And it didn't hmm. work out that way. Uh, Baltimore minus eight and a half. Both of our three weights. Mac, I'll let you have the honors here. What do you like about the Ravens this week? I think the Ravens, when I just do all these all these papers, all these EPA, five metric averages, every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, the Ravens are really good. They are much better than people would have expected. I mean, last week kind of made a statement on that, but, but even before last week, their defense is elite. They lead the league in sacks. I feel like Arizona's a bit of a fugazi after they won Cowboys. They got a lot of excitement, but the year-to-date metrics are catching up with them. They have the worst defense against the success rate. Baltimore, very good at taking four or five, six-yard successful, if not explosive plays and making it into a game plan. So I know that in the fourth quarter, teams that are up 10 should not be favored. And that's how, even if your projections say 10, it should be like eight and a half. I don't see them putting their foot off the gas here. I think they make a statement in this game. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Fizz. Let me ask you guys, because the travel. So Baltimore plays back-to-back really tough division rivals, right? So they play at Cleveland and they play at Pittsburgh. Then they spend a week in London, all right? And then they come home and they kick ass. Yeah. And now they go out to Arizona, so... You see where I'm going. You know what this sure. sounds like to me? Strip clubs on Saturday no. night in Arizona is what it sounds like. It sounds to me exactly like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Played two games in a row in London, came home, played a division opponent, kicked their ass, and they said, okay, they're going to New Orleans now. And that's why all this that is money, the down spot. That's why all that money came in on New Orleans, and that's why and what, Jacksonville collapsed, and New Orleans came all the way back to tie the game. But at the end of the day, who covers that much better. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. but, but the problem is they got to be 10 points better. But here's the, here's the other thing. Arizona does – I mean, I've they're now 1-6 ATS in the second half. They do nothing after halftime. It's, they, they've got their script. They might be competitive for a little while. After halftime, they're dead. That's a good point. So my basically my handicap is Baltimore's going to get tired, but you're saying Arizona just... They've, they've not done anything all season. The only game they've won in the second half was the Cowboy game. They're not going to be capable of taking advantage of the Ravens if and when they're tired in the second half. You, that you makes know, sense. To compare and contrast, like as far as travel fatigue, you got a Team Jets... They like all they've been doing is like buying Halloween candy all, all yeah. October. They they've been home yep. all October. They have not had to leave the state of New York other than to go across the river. Yes, to Jersey. Pro tip: instead of a knife, use a cookie cutter. 
when covering pumpkins. There you go. Thank you, McKenzie. Since that really? Dallas game, the Cardinals are 0-4, losing by 15 points per game. And I think it all coincides with the loss of James Conner. You think of James Conner and you don't think of like this explosive back. Now, you know RJ is going to say James Conner's worth the field goal now? No. Here's what I'm going to say. James Conner was averaging 5.4 yards per carry. Okay. When you've got a guy like Josh Dobbs, what you don't want to have him in is third and long situations. When you were able to run the ball on first down and get five yards every first down, it put Josh Dobbs in manageable third down situations. You take that away, and your other running backs are averaging three and a half yards per carry. It's a lot less manageable. And now, on top of that, they lost Zach Ertz, second on the team in receptions, and he is basically Dobbs's third down security blanket. Mm. He's not there now. Defensively, only the Broncos are worse than them per DVOA. And it like two weeks ago, that was a wide margin. The Broncos to the next worst team. The Broncos have played pretty solid defense the last two weeks. And now it's it's getting pretty close to Arizona being the worst defense. The Baltimore on on the opposite end of the spectrum moved to number one in DVOA this week. Yeah, they, their their offensive line has gotten healthy. Oh man. So and that's a big deal. And they they're them and the Chiefs are the only two teams in the league in top five, both offense and defensive DVOA. And Lamar is amongst the best quarterbacks in the league when he isn't blitzed. Cardinals are bottom five in blitz rate. I I think that Lamar has a huge day. Uh, the only thing that worries me about this bet is that Kyler Murray was a full participant at practice. Oh, come on now. He's not playing. Uh, if he's a full participant, and I, I don't think he plays either, but what's why wouldn't they play him? I guess they might win. <laughs> That'd be a problem. Why would they bring him back if they're not planning on winning? He probably wants to come back. I think I think it's his decision, not the organization's, right? The organization is kind of on the hook for $30 million if he does play. So, yeah, it would make a lot of sense from an organizational perspective. For him not to? Yeah, just for the insurance purposes. You can't be on the hook for $100 million if he's not hurt. But if he's hurt, then he's on your team. But what do you – I mean, how do you sell that? How do you, you sell – like, how do you say, like – I mean, that's why he's practicing because they can't tell him not to. Right, and then like you, you say you're not playing, and then Kyler Murray says, "I don't know why I'm not playing. I'm yeah. re- I'm healthy. I'm ready to go." Organizationally, you look terrible at that, and like not that the Cardinals are really worried about the it. Bedwells are yeah, they're, they're are used to over it. that. But I don't. That's the only thing. That's the only concern I have. I would assume you agree that Baltimore is a fantastic teaser leg. Yes. Uh, well, no, it's a good teaser leg because they're road team. Road Stanford Wong, the Wong teasers. You know, I know Stanford yeah. Wong, so I, I work with him. And he, I heard he didn't even really go to Stanford. His daughter went to Stanford. That's, okay. that's, that's the name. That's where he has uh, a moniker. He, he grew up in. He, he has a house in La Jolla, um, so um, knows Cal, knows California well. He. Um, the road favorites actually are not profitable playing long teasers. Really? Certainly not at minus 120, but not even at minus 110. So an eight-point favorite has to be a, f- a home favorite historically to okay. play them all. Now, there's subsets where you can certainly cherry-pick, you know. If you say uh, this is like maybe a top three team against a bottom three team. Yeah, like you can certainly make a case that Kansas City is teasable and Baltimore is teasable this week. Yes. One last thing on the fatigue. Ran this query because I thought the Ravens might be in a good spot because they didn't really play much in the second half. They were up 35-0. If you were up 
by four touchdowns, 28 points or more, and you're favored. 55% ATS historically. So good spot for the Ravens from that perspective. Uh, you know, it's very, so it's, it, it's really the oppo of playing an overtime game. Exactly. Yeah. You're, yeah. Playing a, were, you're playing a relaxed. half for a, a first half game. You know what? And this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but I can tell you, like I used to play in chess tournaments and I was a big proponent of playing very tactical, um, crazy openings. And the reason being is you had a lot of like 23 move chess games and if you played very positional well guess what you have to play a four and a half hour game and then the next round starts in five minutes and you don't right. even get to eat lunch and so it wears you out it does i mean like when i was coaching youth baseball i did like if we were up nine runs i was still stealing bases because i didn't want to play another inning because you have to turn around and play another yeah. game like so you're looking for blowout rule yeah that's one more inning that you've got to put on your arms and like on a sunday where you might have to win four day you might have to win four games to win a tournament like one inning can make a pretty big difference cuz all they're all kids with pitch counts and you mm -hmm. like so you want you want to blow these teams out so you can have an easier time going into the next game so it, it makes a lot of sense to me exact opposite i always tell my son never ever win a tennis match 6060 I said, I, I said, you ever get up 4-0? If you have to play left-handed, I don't care what it takes. <laughs> you let that kid get a game off of you. Yeah, you're a lot, lot nicer than I am. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not worried about anybody's feelings. You're out there playing. Stop it. That's what I say. Okay, guys, I'm here solo. I'm going to throw this in because I took off on these guys, and uh, I forgot I had to have one more pick. So we're going to tap. This was just inserted at the end, and that's why you're not hearing AJ, blah, 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 blah. And Fez, you don't hear his yawns because it's past midnight. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I like in the second half under the total. This is my one way under the total in a 22 and a half right now. Dallas Rams. Well, as they were just talking, I'm assuming where we inserted this. And the rationale is simple. The Rams as a team struggle in the second half, but especially as you get towards, you know, as Lombardi calls them, a 50-minute team. But what we know is Dallas likes to run with the lead and with with their coach so much more. McCarthy likes to run so much more than the smart math people say you should. And he got some pushback on that, and he said something like, well, I know that we won that game, you know, scoreboard kind of. I think if anything, he's not he isn't gonna play K. He's gonna be more inclined. So if you got the Rams who kind of peter out, and you've got Dallas who's not gonna take advantage of that by throwing the ball a ton, but rather run out a lead, and they are six and a half point favorites, so you expect them to have it. I think everything sets up well for a low scoring second half. That's my one weight under twenty two and a half, Dallas Rams, back to regularly scheduled programming. All right, before we get out of here, we need to recap all the plays. Uh, I will start uh, my five-weight is Cincinnati. My four-weight is Cleveland. My three-weight is Baltimore. My two-weight, Carolina. And my one-weight, Dallas team total over 26-and-a-half. What do you have, Fez? Five-weight, Jets minus two-and-a-half. Four-weight, Atlanta minus two-and-a-half. Three-weight, Carolina plus the three. Two-weight, we're going to go with Chicago plus eight-and-a-half. And then one-weight, Derivative first half play, going to go Minnesota-Green Bay under 21. RJ's picks. His five-weight is Carolina. His four-weight, Seattle. Three-weight, Chicago. Two-weight is Jacksonville in the first half, minus one. And his one-weight is under 22.5 in the second half, 
of Cowboys Rams. Mac, what are your your three plays this week? I like Seahawks. That's my five weight. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's my four weight. And I like the Ravens. That's my three weight. Scott in Abstentia, maybe in Australia, five on the Jets, four on the Eagles, three on the Vikings, two on the Panthers in the first quarter plus a half. And his one weight is under 43 and a half in New Orleans, Indiana. And once again, Dave Essler on Jets money line, Hitman on Falcons minus two and a half. One thing left to do, Fez. Hey, hey, let's be careful out there. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.